Hello, and welcome to the Commander Theory Podcast. I'm Nick Beatman, and I'm here with my friend, Zach Mack. Hello, theorists. So in today's episode, we're going to be going through the new Capenna Commander decks. Uh, so we're going to start with all the new commanders printed in this product, and then we're going to go through the main deck cards uh, in this set. So very excited to jump in. going to be a long episode. But before we get to the cards, I want to briefly talk about our Patreon. If you head on over to patreon.com slash commander theory, you can support the show and get sweet benefits for as little as $1 a month. If you aren't ready to be a patron yet, you can help us out by rating or reviewing us wherever you get your podcasts. All right. With that, let's start with the commanders. Uh, who's up first? Oh, man. So th- there's going to be a lot of them in this set. And the first one is Denry Kiln, Editor-in-Chief. Um, so this is an Azorius commander. They are white-blue. Um, they cost four. So two white-blue for a 2-2 cat advisor. And they have uh, two abilities. Denry Kiln Editor-in-Chief enters the battlefield with your choice of a plus one, plus one counter, first strike counter, or vigilance counter. And whenever a non-token creature you control enters the battlefield, if Denry has counters on it, put the same number and kind of counters on that creature. Um, so, I, can, I, can I get into it and then you want to yeah, share sure. some thoughts and stuff? So, so Denry is it's pretty interesting that the... This is a pretty casual build. Like anyone who's played with uh, Master Biomancer knows that, like, dropping a four drop and then dropping all of your other creatures is like kind of a chore. That's not like a CEDH strategy. So, like, this is uh, this is definitely like more in the casual realm of Commander. But like anyone who's played Master Biomancer also knows that like it ends up being pretty good for you. <laughs> so, um. I think this is going to be like a strong commander at casual tables. Um, and that's fine. You know, we don't need more like, like Corvolds running around, you know, in commander sets or whatever. So whatever, that's cool. Um, but what do you do with this? Like there's, there's not a lot of ability counters floating around. They're pretty hard. They're pretty much only in Akoria and the commander 2020. Um, so the first thing is it's all the counters on him. So plus one, plus one counters are a dime a dozen. You just put them on him with whatever, like the, any thing that is efficiently putting plus one, plus one counters on your Denry is good with your team. Um, and, and that's just the classics. That's like your Felidar, uh, your Felidar retreats, your Cathars crusades, uh, Luminarch aspirant is even pretty good in this deck because the one counter it puts on Denry every combat actually is one counter for every guide every combat so then he's gonna make your team huge and the fun counters are the hard ones um like i said it's mostly the Ikoria stuff and some stuff in this set so like shield counters from this set um avon oddity and the other cycle guy the splendor mare will give lifelink and uh, flying counters and since Denry is a cat advisor and not a human both of the mentors from Ikoria work to give um I think it's vigilance and flying are the, the mentors. So like not the best when he already gives you vigilance. Um, but that's pretty much it. Like the only other fun counters I could find were like double strike counters from the, um, the avenging Huntmaster. So avenging Huntmaster was in the, um, C20 decks and it's like when it attacks, you can put a double strike counter on a creature without a double strike counter on it. <laughs> um, you only need one. You only got to put it on Denry, but it's pretty slow. It's like a 
five mana four four or something like that and then avian mimomancer which is this goofy junk rare from alara also puts feather counters on creatures and creatures with feather counters on them are three one flyers you could put it on your opponent's things you could put it on your things um it it's kind of a weird stat block because it's easy to kill but a lot of power and like evasion but it might be the case that a lot of your creatures benefit from getting like four plus one plus one counters and starting off as three one flyers um the, the other thing about this is that if you buy the precon a lot of these cards are already in it so if you end up buying the precon for a denry kiln you don't really need to like work too hard or a denry clin oh i've been saying it wrong the whole time oops sorry listeners um but yeah it's it's there's there's just not a lot to do with him even though he'll probably play fine there's some commanders where like they don't have enough juice and they don't they're just not going to play well because of it but because this guy also works with plus one plus one counters like he'll be fine for the time until one day there are enough ability counter cards out in the world <laughs> so yeah, yeah this is i think you like hit the nail on the head not too much to add just want to um support what you said about like him being a four drop that you then have to do something to put more counters on and then you play your creatures um it's just seems very commander centric if you're in a metagame with a lot of spot removal Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh it it seems like it could be challenging to play this guy yeah and it's kind of a bummer when they print cards like this but again it's like i'd rather them print some like powerful but casual cards like this where like a meta where it's mostly board wipes and not that many like spot removal because like spending one or two mana to blow up your denry is going to ruin your whole day a lot worse mm-hmm. than like the whole board getting wiped so <laughs> and then you're not attacked by other people so yeah um do you want to get into this next guy there's a uh i think a cycle of two color commanders is that what they did this time yes that's correct um, yeah so this next guy is Oscar Rubbish Reclaimer. It is three blue-black for a 3-3 legendary creature human wizard. This spell costs one less to cast for each different mana value among cards in your graveyard. Whenever you discard a non-land card, you may cast it from your graveyard. So we've got a list in the episode description if you want to check it out. Mm. Um, but I see a couple benefits to running this commander. One is that like any cheap sack outlet essentially gives all your spell or any cheap discard outlet rather essentially gives all your spells madness and flash um so like if you just run say a putrid imp is like having vidalcan orrery for one mana or ley line of anticipation for one mana is actually a pretty good deal uh it's also really easy to make this guy cheap um and you know the fact that his ability works against the command tax is great as well so just running like fetches in your deck is going to give you a discount um just running a couple cheap interaction spells like instance is going to give you a cost reduction on your commander and i don't think it's going to be that difficult to um like cast him for cheap pretty much every time so i I think that's a pretty nice benefit to this commander uh and i would say the biggest challenge to running this guy is like he doesn't um he doesn't really lend himself to an, a win condition that easily <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's it's not clear how exactly you're gonna win just that like 
oh, you know, your spells will you'll be you'll be able to cast them whenever you want. Maybe he's um, maybe that means he'd potentially be good combo commander because you can really easily like cast one half of the combo on your the opponent's end step and then untap and cast the other half. So there's less opportunities for your opponents to interact. You can kind of win out of nowhere that way. Yeah, this guy, like, I thought he was more like Drelnu when I saw him. I didn't realize it was literally just non-land card. Mm-hmm. Um, and he kind of ended up seeming more like a good stuff commander because of that. Like, yeah, he gives your stuff flash, and there's like a lot of good stuff to give flash if you can pitch it. But um, yeah, the the winning I feel like is going to come down to like some pretty typical spells. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, you're not going to be like breaking new ground with your oscar you know he's just gonna be a good good guy and not to say that that's not like fun gameplay but uh it's uh it's definitely i don't know would you say this is a better i mean he kind of turns all your stuff into madness cards is what he's doing mm-hmm. so that better than what was the second half of that sentence? Oh, I was gonna say is I was gonna say is he a better madness commander? But I think he's just a more fun because he makes madness work the way you want it to. Where you're like, pitch an actually good kill spell, pitch an actually good creature. <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't say he's like a good madness commander because like, yeah, again, you don't you don't need, need to, to run, run madness yeah. cards. You just run all the good cards in this color identity. Um, looters are are better than they normally are. If you're not running a budget build, there's some reserve list cards that work really well with him, um, like Necropotence. Uh, mm-hmm, the, mm-hmm. the the part that di- when you discard, exile it from your graveyard, that actually, um, because it's a trigger rather than a replacement effect, uh, both your commander and Necropotence is going to trigger when you discard a card. And so you can just cast it with Oscar rather than exiling it with Necro. So it kind of gets around one of the main drawbacks of Necropotence. Um, and then also Dream Halls seems pretty sweet with this commander. So Dream Halls allows you to uh, discard a card to cast a same uh, a spell with the same color for free. So with your commander out, you can like you know cast this one spell for free and then cast the other for regular cost. Whereas everyone else is sort of going down on cards as they they do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. Oh, dream halls <laughs> never not be broken. Yeah, we broke it. We finally got there <laughs> after twenty years. <laughs> after twenty years. Um, do you want to? Uh, how about I read off this next commander and you get to talking about it because I, I know you got some stuff to say. All right, go for it. So uh, this is Cyrix, uh, Carrier of the Flame. This is a three-three Phoenix with flying and haste for four mana, two black, red. At the beginning of each end step, if a creature card left your graveyard this turn, target Phoenix you control deals damage equal to its power to any target. And whenever another Phoenix you control dies, you may cast Cyrix, Carrier of the Flame, from your graveyard. Um, okay, so we got some Phoenix Tribal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I, I would say it's, as a Phoenix Tribal commander, it's it's pretty flawed. Um, so... Uh, Gavin Verhey and, and Chris Mooney both um, both came out and said this is this is their attempt at a Phoenix Tribal Commander. They know people have been asking for one, so this is what they were. Um, this is what they've given us to to meet that need. Uh, and Gavin also said like they spent 
time trying to make a straight Phoenix tribal deck um, and found that there were some graveyard synergies, which you really want black for. That's why there's black in the color identity when most Phoenixes are red. Um, and then they, they also wanted to open up the card to being more than just a Phoenix tribal deck. And I think that by opening up it up in this way, um, by making it so like if any creature leaves your graveyard, it triggers the most efficient way to get the reward is just going to be to not run a whole lot of phoenixes. Like phoenixes generally aren't actually that easy to get back from your graveyard. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and so like, you know, you can just run Bloodgast or reassembling skeleton, some of the black creatures that are super easy to get back and then the the target phoenix you control that deals damage to equal to its power you can just use your commander for that so like i'm gonna keep blinking and sac or i'm gonna keep reanimating and sacrificing my reassembling skelly and just deal cyrix's power to whatever target and i'm just not gonna really run any other phoenixes um I, I think that's like the most e efficient way to get the the reward offered by this commander. Mm -hmm. um, I, I'm okay. I, I will say I know that like designing a Phoenix tribal commander is a challenge. Like the Phoenix tribe only has twenty seven non changeling members. A lot of them are like set mechanic phoenixes that only like require you to build your deck in a bunch of different competing ways. Like oh, I need enough like learn cards so that I can trigger <laughs> this Phoenix. I need enough cycling cards so I can trigger this Phoenix. Um, and so it's, it's really hard to like both play a large number of Phoenixes and then also build your deck in a way that you can trigger all those different Phoenixes. So it's challenging, but I don't think it's impossible to build a Phoenix tribal commander that actually incentivizes playing with Phoenixes. Um, and I, I feel like they kind of gave up on that. Yeah. We've either said it on the show before, maybe in one of the like custom commander episodes or definitely in the discord, like the biggest problem with Phoenix tribal is the set mechanic aspect of them. And mm -hmm. the thing is like, there are enough, like if you jammed all the Phoenixes into a mono red deck, like you would actually get a decent amount of them back most of the time, even like only casually building around various set mechanics but some of them would be dead cards like the learn the cycling some of the other like power matters or whatever like casting spells um so yeah it's not an easy task but i, I do feel like the adding black the kind of not really focusing on phoenixes so much that's kind of kind of sad so um, I don't know. We can, the, uh, the one thing I have to say about this, I guess, to end on a positive note is like, this might not really hit on like a good Phoenix design, but it's probably still fun. Um, it makes me think of like Streffen from the Val Commander decks, which like, absolutely it like, I was like, oh, cool. A cool big vampire commander. And instead it was actually like, oh, cool, gear per ether grid's amazing. <laughs> and not, they're very fun, but not at all like what it like advertised on the surface. And I think that's mm. probably what this is going to be like, is like, oh, really fun gameplay, but not at all the Phoenix commander. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, I mean, it, it certainly works well with like some existing play patterns. That's nice. Uh, and, and you're right. Like maybe I'm just um, 
focusing too much on the fact that it's I don't think it succeeds at what it was uh at what trying like, to do. The community, <laughs> yeah, what the community asked for like and also I just I think that like opening up the card to being more than just Phoenix Tribal that's a mm, that line of thought has worked out really badly for wizards in the past cuz remember when they opened up uh Ulrich to be like as broad as possible and then it ended up just being like really really disappointing to the people who wanted it to be a werewolf tribal commander and they had to wait for the the next Innistrad set to actually deliver on the werewolf tribal commander that people wanted and oh look it immediately became the most popular rule commander by a long shot yeah. um so so like i just don't think that uh and like maybe they i know that they're like beholden to when they do these precons, I know they're beholden to like the themes of the deck and they can't be totally weird with the, the like side commanders in these products. Um, like they can't just put in a Phoenix tribal commander and have like no other Phoenixes in the deck. <laughs> uh, but there is a, I mean, we do have like the set booster commander slots specifically so that they can print weird commanders. Like Mari mm. um, didn't really f- the the rogue mercenary and assassin tribal commander that's in the current set boosters that didn't really fit into any of the precons, but I'm glad that they printed it there because it adds an option for players. Like I built a Mari deck. I think it's cool. Um, and that's like the place where they could have delivered on a Phoenix commander without the restrictions of having to like meet the needs of the precon as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. Um, and I think on that note, do you want me to read off this next one? Yeah, go for it. Yeah. So this is Jolene the Plunder Queen, uh, a 2-2 human warrior for 4 mana, 2 red-green. Uh, they have whenever a player attacks one or more of your opponents, that attacking player creates a treasure token. And if you would create one or more treasure tokens, instead create those tokens plus an additional treasure token... And then sacrifice five treasures, put five plus one plus one counters on Jolene. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's kind of a lot going on there. Like initially, like looking at this, I was um, really excited. And then I was like not super excited. And then I was actually really excited. I feel like giving away treasure is just like not that much for having a Zorn in the command zone. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, you could just outright kill people with her. It's pretty easy to generate massive amounts of treasure, like with her and other things. Um, there's just so much stuff in red and green that make treasure. Um, so I feel like this is probably just a blast to play. Um, there's a lot of artifact synergies. Um, a lot of them, everyone kind of already knows. So a, a lot of the zeitgeist recently has been about like green having treasure and then also what to do with treasure. So like, I don't really need to tell you too many of them, but like inspiring statuary. Uh, if you don't have one now, it might be too late because they keep going up. Uh, gear per aether grid is really nuts when you can make like two to six treasure a turn. Um, there's, there's just a lot of treasure tech that we don't really need to tell you about. Um, but is very good, but you, I don't know if you want to get into specifics that you like. Yeah, yeah. So we have a list in the episode description. You can check that out. Um, I think that uh, after after seeing the like haste tribal commander last um, last time we had an episode, um, 
and he produced treasure and also seeing Jolene, like, I just feel like, okay, I'm not going to say like a green should never produce treasure. Cause I think in, in some respects it actually makes sense. Um, but like, I think a bigger issue is that green's ways of utilizing the treasure are going to get really boring really fast. Cause in green, especially in like these green treasure commanders that reward you for attacking with a bunch of guys, um, or like reward, you know, combat presence, like putting creatures on the board, uh, the the easy win condition is always going to be crater hoof and all the tutors associated with it. I think if this was like a mono red commander, then you would have to think a little bit harder about how you were going to win the game. But with Jolene, it's like, man, I've got like 10 mana. Now that I've got all these treasures, how am I going to win? It's like, well, okay, <laughs> here's 10 cards that all get you crater onto the battlefield right now. And then you can yeah. kill people. Um, so I think that's going to be like, I don't know. I, I, th- I think this might have been a little bit more interesting with a slightly different color identity. So you had to figure out different win cons. Um, yeah, I, I I agree with that. I think like one of the problems with like green getting like I, I am one of the people who would prefer I, again, like I, I prefer green not to get much treasure. I, it's fine if every color gets a little treasure. I don't care about that. But um just doesn't seem like a super green mechanic to me necessarily but one of the things about green getting treasure is that like the play patterns are pretty boring because it's just mm-hmm. it's just mana ramp <laughs> like because there's not so many synergies in green itself you do end up kind of just being like oh well um i don't know finale of devastation for a creator <laughs> mm-hmm. and that's the gameplay so um i do think that making a ton of treasure is like a visceral feeling. So I am still actually high on Jolene, but I, I, I agree. That, yeah, that it, it's that probably boring. Green colors can be allowed to have viscering, visceral feelings <laughs> once in a while, like as a treat. <laughs> what? It'd be nice if white could have a little bit of that visceral feeling. <laughs> that that, that uh, uh, gameplay that makes you feel alive. Yeah, exactly. Not a whole lot of roller coasters of emotions in a white deck. Yeah, yeah, not yet at least. Um or very few. I think like light paws might get there for some people. <laughs> okay, yeah, good point. Um but I guess with that said, do you want to move on to the uh next commander? Y- yes, I can read this one off. Uh this sure. is Bess Soul Nourisher. One green white for a one one legendary creature human citizen. Whenever one or more creatures with base, power, and toughness 1-1 one, one, enter the battlefield under your control, put a plus one plus one counter on Bess' Soul Nourisher. Whenever Bess attacks, each other creature you control with base, power, and toughness 1-1 one, one, get plus X plus X until end of turn, where X is the number of plus one plus one counters on Bess. So, it's 1-1 one, one tribal. Um, we've got a list in the episode description. Uh, it's really kind of what you would expect like most green white token makers um just make or a lot of the best ones just make one ones because mm-hmm. like that's typically Zapperlings, elves humans soldiers, warriors oh, yeah. yeah typically when you go for token production you're looking to get the most bodies per mana and the way to do that is to get like pretty much the smallest bodies possible yeah so all the the typical good token generators 
uh, are good and best. It's it's really not that different from any other green white token bill currently in the format. Yeah, you want to run your Tamiya safekeepings to keep her alive. You want to run your heroic interventions and your Teferi's protections <laughs> to protect mm-hmm. your board. There's like not a lot of like new tech for the I don't think this commander is like opening up anything in particular in the format you know yeah I, I mean that's fine not every commander needs mm-hmm. to, to do anything super different um, I, I think it's interesting that we got like Kyler so recently and then we're getting best now and I know it's because of like citizens and plus one or uh, and well yeah and plus one plus one counters on top of the one one creatures mm-hmm. um, but yeah I'm if you see this and you're like, this looks really fun, then heck yeah, go for it. Uh, but I don't know. I I, I think you're going to have a great time making a bunch of saplings. Like, <laughs> yeah, I would just say I've, I've definitely built decks that looked a lot like this before, so I'm not really compelled to, to build this, but... Yeah, you you can only conquer his pledge into like a triumph of the hordes so many times <laughs> before before the thrill starts to <laughs> go. At least bit. for me, yeah. At least yeah. for me, that's true. Um, but I I do want to say like this was one of the commanders that uh, there's so many cards. Um, as listeners know, I was on vacation over the last set, which was just kind of bad timing on my part. <laughs> uh, oops! But Jason did a great job, so thank you, Jason. Uh, if you're listening to this, like I enjoyed listening to your episodes, and I think everyone else will too. Um, but there were so many cards that I was trying to catch up on when I came back uh, that I literally didn't know this card existed until I opened up the joint notes document that I share with <laughs> the me and Nick share, and I was like, "Oh, I can- <laughs> yeah, that that certainly is a legendary creature." <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, but now we're getting into the juice, the 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 chonky guys. These are the three color commanders that are kind of some of the face commanders of these decks. Um, do you want me to read off this next one? Uh, yeah, go for it. So this is Camis. I, I think that's how you say, it, right? Camis, Camis. Uh, how, how would you I'm say, say that? Camis, Camis. All right. Know. No, that's fine. I just, I'm I'm going to pick something, and then you can yell at me on the internet later, listener. Um, so this is Kamiz Obscura Oculus. Kamiz uh, is a two-four cephalid rogue for four mana, one white, blue, black, and they have a, just this doozy of uh, an ability. Whenever you attack, target attacking creature can't be blocked this turn. It connives. Then choose another attacking creature with lesser power. That creature gains double strike until end of turn. Um, so this is basically like a saboteur commander, and we've kind of had commanders that got close to being a saboteur commander, and then just like weren't good enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like this is good enough. I feel like Kamiz is actually it's in enough colors. It's in colors with interesting triggers, um, and the double strike aspect combined with the unblockable aspect means that you actually get to do some like goofy fun things. Um, so I, I made an Angrath captain of chaos deck, the uncommon Angrath from war of the spark, which gives your team menace. Um, and it was really fun, but it was really weak because like, okay, yeah, I can hit them with my saboteur that makes them discard a card or yeah, I can hit them with my saboteur that like I can sack and then blow up a bunch of their creatures or something. But like, all it was doing was making these mediocre cards playable. This actually makes these mediocre cards like good. 
And I think that's a really big difference. Um, you have a deck list. Do you want to talk about some tech that you enjoy? Anything that you thought was pretty interesting? Yeah. So uh, to start, there are a ton of um, like saboteurs that just draw a card. And I think all those are fine in the deck. Yeah, um, definitely. <laughs> but there's also plenty that um, have, there's, there's a couple interesting ones like Ashling the Extinguisher is a great one to give um, unblockable, which is so Ashling is two black black for a four four. When it deals combat damage to a player, choose target creature that player controls. He or she sacrifices that creature. Uh, Throat Slitter, similarly, is another one that um, is just going to sort of prune the board really easily for you. Cephalid Constable is nice. Like the fact that Kamiz um, gives the gives the unblocked or, or makes the un the unblockable creature connive, so you potentially increase its power. And like Cephalid Constable. Once its power starts being like, you know, two or three or four, it actually is really significant, like bouncing someone's lands to their hand just like mm-hmm. messes them up super badly. Yeah. Um, other things like, uh, I mean, Esper Sentinel is great everywhere, but it's also nice when you can boost its power through your commander with connive. Other nice little effects. Uh, Kukemsa Pirates is a, a fun favorite yeah, for me classic. Um, i love that card <laughs> yeah whenever it attacks and isn't blocked you can use to have it deal no damage to defending player when you uh if you do gain control of target artifact that player controls so that's a great one to make unblockable uh just a lot of fun little tech check out the episode description for some ideas um but i, I think there's i would say this might be another one where the win condition is a little tricky like Yes, you're attacking a lot, but it's just with the the weeniest creatures you've ever seen. So you might need to figure out uh, how to turn that into a win in a color entity that doesn't have a ton of pump. Maybe like a maybe like a mirror entity or something to help you get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's pretty good. Mirror entity. Um, yeah, eventually you'll get like a Virtus or a Yuriko or something, and. You'll be able to start <laughs> just <laughs> doming people. Just so I, I think, yeah, this deck probably has a hard time closing a game, but not like the hardest. It's probably just not fast. I think is is how I would say it because mm-hmm. like hitting people with a an Ashling over and over again, like you'll get there. <laughs> you'll get there eventually. <laughs> There's not too much they can do once they're they're taking four and sacking a creature every turn. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, I, I'm into. Kamiz. Um, I'm also into this next guy. Do you want to do this guy? Is that okay? Sure. Yeah, it sounds good. So, uh, Tivit Seller of Secrets is three white, blue, black for a 6 6 legendary creature, Sphinx Rogue. It has flying and ward three, and it has Council's Dilemma. Whenever Tivit enters the battlefield or deals combat damage to a player, starting with you, each player votes for evidence or bribery. For each evidence vote, investigate. For each bribery vote, create a treasure token and while voting you may vote an additional time and the votes uh, your your additional vote can be for different choices or for the same choice uh, so what's most notable about this guy is that if there are at least four players in the game including you then it makes five artifacts per turn for time sieve so time sieve is just blue black for an artifact tap sacrifice five artifacts take an extra turn after this one. So typically the the hurdle on that card is getting enough artifact sack fodder, but pivot provides all of it just by himself. Um, 
So so really, it just seems like a combo deck where you get your time sieve, you drop it down, you drop your commander, and then instantly you pretty much win the game. Like your your six six flyer is probably going to get you there when you have infinite turns. Yeah, it's crazy. Like I think this is one of the examples of commanders where like uh they made it too broad like they seem to be okay printing commanders that have like a lot of infinite turn potential in these commander decks or like infant combo potential i'm looking at like zexara um there's been a few more that i'm like blinking on over the years but this is one where like i think i really like the open-endedness of it and i really like like that it makes a lot of these vote cards like legitimately good for you because you're getting material benefit out of them mm-hmm. but um i I'm, i worry that it's going to be the niv mizzet effect where you go no guys i don't have the combo in here and then people kill you anyway you know or like no 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 i don't take infinite turns and then you die anyway um mm-hmm. but if you're not doing that if you're not taking infinite turns like it literally it makes all of the you get an extra vote cards really good um Braga's representative ballot broker they're both basically the same card they just are like three drops that give you an extra vote different bodies um they're actually good in the deck because you get more treasure or more evidence depending on what you kind of were looking for um illusion of choice is so funny because you basically just get whatever you want for that turn. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's you choose how everyone votes and you draw a card. It's a blue instant. Um, and honestly, like Rise and Shine, like Cyber Drive Awakener, they're like a legitimate win cons in the deck because if you're like just have a bunch of these treasures and clues just stacking up, uh, why not turn them into four fours and like just kill somebody? A masterful application becomes a win con also if you have like any artifact creature worth its salt like at all like even if you don't like turning all of your artifact tokens into like solemn simulacrums for like a combat step like still still pretty good drawing Mm -hmm. a lot of cards (laughs) so um yeah i i really like this guy i think he's like really fair six mana six six commander ward like decently hard to kill get does what it wants to do like actually a really cool take on like a voting commander i think yeah i would just i'm just not a fan of them printing like commanders with one card combos yeah um, absolutely yeah i i will note that like if you are doing the time sieve thing just make sure that you're like spreading the love in your extra combats because as soon as you eliminate one player you're no longer making enough artifacts mm-hmm. to uh to continue the combo so just yeah. keep that in mind yeah, exactly. I mean, you unless you have a critical mass of the like vote in extra time cards down <laughs> or something mm-hmm. like that, which is then that's not a two or a, a one card combo, then it's like a four card combo or whatever. So, um, yeah, definitely good point. Also, I'm still amazed Time Sieve isn't like a billion dollars. Like, I feel like there's been so many cards over the years that are good with it and still too hard to break. I mean, before this guy, it was too hard to break. Yeah, I, I but it's, I don't think people have. Maybe just people aren't really rushing to build Tivit because I don't think it's that expensive. As of recording, it's not that expensive. So yeah, if you're listening we'll, we'll to see this, what the, we'll yeah, see what we'll MCG see. Stock says next week. Exactly. All right, moving on to the next commander. This is Anhelo the Painter. Uh, this is blue, black, red for a 1 3 legendary creature vampire assassin. It has death touch 
and the first instant or sorcery spell you cast each turn has casualty two, uh, which means that as you cast that spell, you may sacrifice a creature with power two or greater. When you do, copy the spell, and you may choose new targets for the copy. Uh, so we have a deck list for this one posted in the episode description. Um, but it seems like a pretty powerful commander. Um, one notable thing is that it's relatively easy to get infinite magecraft with this commander. Um, if All you have to do is just wait until an opponent casts an instant or sorcery spell, and then you cast like a reverberate or a twin cast or something similar. And then uh, use Anhelo to copy your twin cast, and then make the copy target the original, and then you can just keep copying your own copy over and over, and then uh, whatever your win condition is, we'll, we'll take care of it from there. If that's a, a Ral Storm Conduit, or maybe you can convert that into infinite mana with a Storm Kiln Artist. Um, there's a couple ways to, to go from there. In terms of Sacrifice Fodder, you are definitely going to need some in this deck. Um, Bloodgast is, of course, the, the default option. There's lots of other good potential options um, like Jadar, Ghoul Caller of Nefalia, Blood Soaked Champion, uh, Ghoulish Procession, Cryptic Pursuit, of course, is the, the card printed in this pre-con that works really well i guess we'll we'll talk more about that one later yeah <laughs> um, but like talrand metallurgic summonings dika fractal theorist all these cards that create tokens with at least two power whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell tend to work pretty well uh and then one uh of course type of card that works really well with any sort of copy effect is extra turn spells just to like even a, a time warp copied once is enough to buy you a whole lot of time to set up combos or or get value or answer your opponent's threats. So I think this is just overall a very strong commander at this mana cost. But what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I actually just completely agree. I saw this and was like really excited because uh, I I've wanted to do like a Grixis Spellslinger for a while, but like. Kess is like kind of boring, <laughs> mm-hmm. and um, some of the other options we have either are like not really good spell slingers, or they um, kind of lended themselves to combo like a little bit too easily, or just like would get hated out. Like, like I wouldn't say Nekusar is a spell slinger list, you know, or um. Inala is really like a combo list and Mirasil is a combo list. There's not really like a lot of good what this guy is doing and this guy does it so well. So Mm -hmm. I'm really happy to see Inello. Um, You have a list that we're going to talk about in a second, but I just want to say that like I I love um, copying spells like Galamax is one of my favorite decks that I still have. Um, And in Grixis, the amount of spells that just like make a zombie are so many of them. And so the fact that you have access to like really, really easy um, casualty to fodder in Grixis makes this guy like just kind of churn, just kind of work really well. So I think it was actually a really good idea. And like it's just enough of a hoop to where you have to build around him correctly, but not so much of a hoop that he isn't powerful. It just kind of stops you from like really going off i guess Mm -hmm. 
Um, so very happy with that. Very happy that they kind of looked into this space the way they did and made um, Anello the way that they they ended up printing him as. Um, do you want to get into any specific tech or? Yeah. So a couple things I really like in this list um, are there, there's a handful of spells that um, require an additional cost to cast them, and they're sort of balanced based on that. Uh, but which become quite good when you copy them. So, for example, like Big Score um, is new from it's from New Capenna. Three and a red for an instant as additional cost to cast the spell. Discard a card, draw two cards, and create two treasure tokens. Uh, well, if you copy that with Anhalo, then it becomes pay four mana, discard a card, sacrifice a creature, draw four cards, and create four treasure tokens. So you're mana neutral and you're way up on cards um and it's instant speed so you can do this at the end of your opponent's turn mm-hmm. yeah, uh, similarly that. yeah uh unexpected windfall is works basically the same way just yeah. a slightly different mana cost um a couple of these other red rummaging spells are just fantastic to copy um those are uh, oh i'll get into twinning staff as well this is a card that was i believe printed in the calamax precon yeah yeah it was um, and but and it will be in this precon too. Oh, it will be. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. If you're buying the precon, just keep that one in. But if you're yeah. <laughs> building from scratch, uh, then Dwinning Staff is a three mana artifact. If you would copy a spell one or more times, instead copy it that many times plus an additional time. You may choose new targets for the additional copy, and then you can pay seven tap copy target instant or sorcery spell you control. You may choose new targets for the copy. Uh, so that of course works great with all this casualty stuff. Oh yeah, just just absolutely great. Because even if you're like um casting i don't know cathartic reunion or something like that like mm-hmm. with the twinning staff out you like sack a zombie cathartic reunion pitch a card draw like what is that nine cards <laughs> like yes absolutely insane like so good yeah so a lot of fun stuff going on with this commander uh it seems like really sweet definitely seems like one of the more pushed of these precon commanders mm-hmm. um absolutely but I think with that, we can move on to the other Grixis commander. Do you want oh, to read this one oh, off? I do want to say one one last thing, too, about this deck So before we move on. So um, Talrand provides a very steady stream of tutus as well. So um, it's something you might want to look into <laughs> if, mm-hmm. you're, if you're building the Nello. Um, there's a lot of... Turns out there's a lot of good 2-2 producers in Grixis. Who would have thought? Yep. Um, but yeah, I guess, do you want me to get into Parnas real quick? Yeah, go for it. So Parnas is, um, um, <laughs> Parnas certainly is. Um, Parnas is a 4-4 vampire wizard for 5 mana, 2 blue, black, red. And they have two abilities. The first is whenever you or a permanent you control becomes the target of a spell or ability an opponent controls, counter that spell or ability unless that player pays 4 life. So basically it gives you ward, pay for life, and all of your stuff the same. And whenever you copy a spell, up to one target opponent may also copy that spell. They may choose new targets for that copy. So basically what this is saying is like whenever you um, fork something, which is the most likely version of it, or a lithomancer engine, is that what that's called? Oh, lithoform engine? Lithoform engine, yeah, stuff like that. Um, you give it to someone else, too. 
um, so you, if you copy something, you pick someone else at the table who also gets in on the fun. Um, how do you feel about this? Because I, I know you feel pretty strongly about this card. <laughs> uh, I, I just want to say that like having to pay for life is not going to deter me from using your spells to blow up your things. Um, that being said, uh, I think that oh, yeah. if you're willing to keep uh, your board relatively free of good targets and you're just casting a whole lot of removal, um, people will probably leave Parnes alone and will just use the copies to to blow up other things. So you could, I, I guess, like once you're, you know, casting a braid and hitting two relevant cards with it or same with, I guess, other types of spot removal in this color identity um it gets better yeah uh, i i was thinking like so i mean the first thing i want to say is like the flavor is incredibly spot on like the subtle brush like they nailed <laughs> it pretty hard there <laughs> like absolutely just light finger touch to whatever is going on here but i i think this is like I don't know. So I wrote some notes down like a day or two ago, and I I don't know if I like agree with them anymore. I was thinking this was like a group slug deck at first because the four life that they're paying to target you and your stuff doesn't really matter at all, like period, until it does, until they're at like eight. Um, So my idea was that you get everyone down to low life with the various um, group slug kind of cards um and then you just kind of dole out spells to people and um it seemed like like maybe that would work out for you but the thing is like i don't i think if you're going to be playing permanence like mogus like like Zozu, you know, like if you're going to be playing these things that like hurt everybody, typically those things are going to get targeted. <laughs> you know, like like people are only going to suffer a mana barbs for so long before they just are going to suck it up and pay the four life to kill it. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that's the strongest version. I think really like what you said is probably the best way to go about building this commander is like. Um, get her down. She's five mana, so you gotta put a little bit of effort in in Grixis, and then, like, just look very unassuming. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, like, like look really unassuming. Play like cheap removal, so that if someone attacks you, you can maybe convince someone to blow something else up too. Like, it's really the mind game here, and I don't know, like how much i like that either because you're giving so much freedom to your opponents to really like make the best decision but i think like they're i feel like they wouldn't want to kill parnes and as long as you keep your board free of other good targets then your spot removal is just like and of course you don't yeah yeah and of course you just um it's up to one target opponent may copy the spell so you don't have to let them get value and you can also like make deals Oh, I actually did not realize the up to one was there. Yeah. Uh, up to Yeah, okay. Well, yeah, I guess I like this more than I did before. I, I I I really liked the flavor of it, and I really liked, like, 
like I think this card is beautifully designed from like a um like a card design standpoint. I just am like maybe I'll just build it and play with it and just see like what what mm-hmm. the gameplay is like just to see cuz I I can't see that many scenarios in which I win with this deck unless I'm like super political, which I guess is the point. So, maybe maybe it's a home run in that regard. Speaking of design, here's a question for you. Like well, maybe not even a question i'll just say this like (laughs) yeah do you think it's a little odd that like the commander that allows you to copy your own spells costs three mana and the commander that lets your opponents copy your spells costs five (laughs) mana (laughs) yeah you know i actually didn't think about that um Ah, uh, yeah, I guess they really are trying to push them into their respective spaces, right? Like, this is absolutely a casual commander, right? Like, mm-hmm. Parnas is, like, meant to be played with the homies, like, you and the crew hanging out. It's, like, 8 p.m. on a Friday. You just had pizza. Like, that's what Parnas is for, where I feel mm-hmm. like Anello is, like, for a little bit stronger focused metas. Yeah. So... Uh, I think it might just be their way of like focusing the energy where they want it to be. Kind of like when they make those red chaos cards, they're always like six plus mana <laughs> nowadays. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's their like hint to us is like nudge, nudge. This one is five mana. <laughs> nudge, nudge. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, are you ready to move on to the first of the Jun commanders? Yes, I, I absolutely am. Okay. Uh, this is. Henzi Toolbox Torre. Uh, it is black, red, green for a 3-3 legendary creature Devil Rogue. Each creature spell you cast with mana value 4 or greater has Blitz. The Blitz cost is equal to its mana cost. And that means uh, you may choose to cast that spell for its Blitz cost. If you do, it gains haste. And when this creature dies, draw a card. Sacrifice it at the beginning, beginning of the next end step. Uh, and then it also has the ability... Blitz cost, uh, blitz costs you pay cost one less for each time you've cast your commander from the command zone this game. So it's a blitz commander. What do you think about this guy? Um, I, <laughs> I certainly do think about this guy. Um, this guy, I think on the surface when I first read him, I was pretty into him. I was like, oh, cool. This is a cool way to like have a sneak attack commander, and now. I don't know. I I feel like this guy is better like in a partner deck. Cuz in a partner deck, you're going to be getting that like cost reduction trigger more often um than if he was the commander himself cuz like it I I don't want to sacrifice my Henzi a bunch of times so that my blitz costs like 3 4 plus mana. You know, that seems like you're you're spending way more mana than you're ever going to save that way by doing that mm-hmm. um whereas like if i'm playing like uh i don't know jessica and uh i guess there aren't any red green <laughs> oh no there's like, like jessica and one of the green black commanders will will make the jund thing right? so, or something yeah sure. rayhan there you go then that is gonna rack up like cast commander triggers more often um which means that you are going to be able to sneak attack these creatures in more easily and especially if like yeah rayhan 
is going to put the counters on things. So like stuff like that seems more fun with Henzi than if Henzi's leading a deck. Um, I, it's certainly like fine. Like this is no Kalia, you know, Kalia has been around since they really started supporting the format in 2011, but a lot of people will hate out Kalia cause Kalia, Kalia is pretty good. If you didn't, if you didn't know. Um, so I don't know. I guess you get more things to play with than if you're playing like Perforous, Bronze Blooded, or like Ilharg, which are like mono red and they're like super fun. They're like a blast. Uh, but also, no one will be like out for your blood on turn one, where they mm-hmm. might if you're playing Kalia. So I, I kind of just think this guy's just in this weird middle ground where like I don't think he's doing enough to like make a Blitz Commander work. I totally agree with you. I think the cost reduction needed to be much more significant. Um, like paying five mana for an Inferno Titan and having it die at the end of the turn is not really going to compel me to to go out and get myself a Henzi. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, I, I would. Mm, let's well let, let's take a look at the other gen commander perhaps yeah. maybe that one's a little more fun to build around yeah let's try that um so the other gen commander is going to be um and i actually forgot who it was and now <laughs> i'm laughing earlier <really laughs> um the beam town bullies so these are four four ogre devil warriors with vigilance and haste for four mana so a one uh black red green to cast these guys uh, so obviously this is a beatdown deck, right? This is their four four. <laughs> um, well, so they does he have any other abilities? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they got this one. It's kind of you know kind of notable. It's tap target opponent whose turn it is puts target non legendary creature card from your graveyard onto the battlefield under their control. It gains haste. Goad it at the beginning of the next end step. Exile it. Um, oh, so this is way more fun for your Inferno Titan, right? Yeah, this is like you get a lot of value out of it. Like you're like, here's an Inferno Titan. Go go nuts. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, there's so... Oh my god. Like as someone who is like obsessed with like uh, Warm Fang Manta, like when I was younger, like mm-hmm. I've taken special note of like the creatures that absolutely just wreck your day when they ETB. Um, and... That's pretty much what this guy is. These guys are, you know, like you you cast Beamtown Bullies and that's it. Somebody's dead. <laughs> like <laughs> I I don't know what they were thinking, but here here it is. It's like this this seems like really powerful and I'm not sure it was what they were trying to do. Yeah. Uh so like I mean, Leveler, Hellcarver, Demon, Inverter of Truth. There's a handful of these cards that just really well, like either just win the game outright or um, uh, or just put your opponent in such a bad position that they're likely to concede. Um, there's lots of ways to get them in the graveyard, and Tomb, Buried Alive, Unmarked Grave, Goblin Engineer will get the Leveler. Uh, and it costs four mana so it just happens so quickly like if you draw any of those uh like entomb effects in the first three turns then cast beamtown bullies on four and then like your opponent's upkeep give them a leveler 
it's 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 it just seems weird to put this into a pre-con because like the, yeah, absolutely the the lines of play don't seem super pro-social or super fun it's just like very fast not especially interactive combo um yeah i would say incredibly uninteractive combo like if someone isn't packing their like tormrod's crypt or like rakdos charm mm-hmm. like something cheap and instant speed nile spell bomb like, yeah i mean a kill spell on the beamtown bullies will like buy them a little time because you do yeah. have to pass it to their turn but yeah still it's not it's great pretty, yeah it's pretty heinous honestly like it, th- there's only so many outs that you have and it's like the best one seems to be graveyard hate like instant speed targeted graveyard hate or mm-hmm. whatever but like putting that onus on all of my opponents to always have graveyard like very macabre in hand or something. exactly like that seems um heinous <laughs> it seems really not fun for yeah. like, a lot of players like i'd be like i think it's really funny me personally if you want to like if we see you at a magic fest a command zone or something this year next year listeners and you want to play your beamtown bullies deck i'll have a blast like that's so funny but please don't pull that out on like a friday night magic <laughs> and just play with like a random person who doesn't understand what's happening that's just it's not gonna be fun for them yeah i i think this probably just should have been worded that like an opponent may put target non legendary creature because then you would actually get the gameplay that you want where it's like oh i've got this big haymaker going around that i really didn't pay any mana for uh and which i like uh is definitely not going to go at me like somebody else can have this malignus for a little while that seems like it could potentially be like more fun gameplay especially for like the casual end of the format rather than i just kill you on your upkeep turn you know turn four yeah absolutely Um, so huh I, i i mean i really feel like as far as the gen commanders this time around like these are both i mean kind of misses they're like near hits i feel like henzy is like almost there and and you know maybe i'll play with henzy and i'll be like because i did get the pre-cons this time so maybe i'll play with henzy and i'll be like oh this is actually more fun than i thought it would be and i really doubt i'm gonna feel that way about the beam down bullies though like I, I really do think that like if your meta is pretty cutthroat you got like a rakdos 2.0 you got a beam town bullies you got some like anus like uh like Anji, like cdh proxy list like yeah go for it like that that seems like a fun thing to do but um i feel like the novelty with a group of friends that is not cdh ready will uh go away pretty quickly <laughs> mm-hmm. you can only level or somebody so many times before they they get tired of it <laughs> Uh, I'll I'll mention one last piece of tech before we move on. Um, so despotic scepter is one generic for an artifact. Tap destroy target permanent you own. It can't be regenerated. So despotic scepter is a way to reuse your leveler, like get it back into your graveyard before it would get exiled by the Beamtown's ability. Um, so just something to keep in mind. Although it is on the reserve list and is uh, jumping up to ten bucks in price 
mostly as a result of the, the Beamtown bullies being printed. But be aware of that if you're interested in building this deck. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely some tech for the deck, but um, <laughs> I just don't know how many friends you'll have after you play it too long. So we are in the Nine Commanders, uh, and they are... Uh, they, they're both cat people, <laughs> uh, which I just thought, I don't like, I don't know. The furries are getting a lot of treats this set. Um, this first one is Kit Kano Mayhem Diva. They are a 3-3 three, three for 4. They are a cat bar druid. Uh, they cost 1, red, green, white. And they have two abilities. The first one is when Kit Kanto enters the battlefield, create a 1-1 one, one green and white citizen creature token. And they also have, at the beginning of combat on each player's turn, you may tap two untapped creatures you control. When you do, target creature that player controls gets plus two, plus two, and gains trample until end of turn. Goad that creature. Um, I'll, I'll let you talk about it first, because actually I'm not super opinionated on this card. Uh, I just don't think there's a much of a point to this card. Like, <laughs> uh, So Marisi, uh, Breaker of the of the chain uh let me just pull that up it's it's almost exactly i, I mean yeah it's, it seems it's the like same it's mana trying cost. Yeah. yeah it's the same mana cost it's trying to do essentially the same thing but it's just more effective at it yeah way better uh, <laughs> yeah the marisi breaker of the coil is one red green white for a five four legendary creature cat warrior your opponents can't cast spells during combat and whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to a player goad each creature that player controls so if your goal is just to goad things, then Marisi is very, very effective at it. Um, I just played against a Marisi deck like the other night, and it does like, it. it nobody does what it could says. attack Marisi's controller yeah. pretty much the entire game. Yeah, it was uh, pretty funny. Yeah, so very, very effective in, in that regard. And Kit Kanto is just like a worse version of the same thing. Like you only get to go. <laughs> Like you're spending two creatures to goad one thing, you need to have like an overwhelming creature advantage to to really protect yourself. I don't know. I I just um don't see why you would want to build this card. I I agree. I I feel the same way. I feel like it's just like less powerful, Marisi. So like maybe you, I do know. Uh, I've talked to people online who like built Marisi and their play group just hated it maybe that gameplay like stands out to you but you just want a little toned down version of it well maybe maybe kit kanto is like the version of that deck that is appropriate for your play group and like at that point i understand kind of getting it in there so you can still get that hit that kind of that rush that you're trying to get with marisi but uh if i was going to play a naya goad commander i would i would just play marisi that guy's guy's nuts um speaking of uh well i guess this is the opposite i don't i don't really know what this commander is trying to do so this next one is fabine boss's confident uh or confidant i guess um Mm. this is a three six cat advisor for six mana three red green white they have creature tokens you control have haste and parlay at the beginning of combat on your turn each player reveals the top card of their library. For each land revealed this way, you get a 1-1 one, one green and white citizen. Uh, then creatures you control get plus one, plus one until end of turn for each non-land card revealed this way. Then each player draws a card. 
So if you remember Parlay from, uh, it was one of the conspiracies, right? Um, I think it was the first one, conspiracy one. Uh, yes. Um, it was basically, uh, Parlay always worked the same. It was, look, everyone looks at the top card of their library, a thing happens, and then you all draw that card. So it's kind of a way of like giving out information, giving out cards, but then you can kind of subtly get an advantage from it. This one is just like, no matter what happens, you get some value from it. Like you draw a card, everyone draws a card, but hopefully you get some creatures and pump your team for the turn or whatever. Um, Problem is, what what am I doing? (laughs) Like this is six mana. Yeah, Like, like I hate seeing haste grinders that cost six mana it's like all the creatures i wanted to give haste i've already cast them by this point in the game um and also like it's essentially a group hug effect which costs six mana like generally uh group hug effects like the point is to sort of accelerate the game make sure everyone like has the cards and mana to do their thing but like six like the fact that it costs six is really late like there's not a whole lot of accelerating and and that needs doing at this point i i don't know it's um this seems incredibly overcosted for what it's doing yeah i absolutely agree i like don't really get what the plan is here like am i supposed to worm calling like a bunch of times am i supposed to crash of worms like that everyone's favorite worm creating spell from odyssey block it's nine Mm -hmm. mana makes three six sixes and you can flash it back for 12 i think um like what what am i trying to do here and why am i parlaying like this seems like such a late stage in the game to like be starting to parlay so i i don't know i'm not quite sure like why this card is printed like this or like who this card is for i feel like if they wanted it to be like a fun group hug commander it would have cost less like you said and if they wanted it to be like like i don't know is this more broken than i think it is is that like what's going on here like i don't, I don't think so it just seems so weird that there's such a an, an enormous disparity in power among like some of the other commanders uh like what we saw with Anne Hello and the um the painter yeah. the Parnes and then here like I, I see this commander that costs six and like m- like has this anthem effect but it's totally random in terms of how big the effect is it's like you just printed Jetmir it's like yeah. <laughs> Jetmir is like four mana everything gets plus three plus zero oh, and double strike like why are you pulling back so much on this. Mm-hmm. Like Jetmir is in a standard legal set. This isn't a, a commander focused product. So why does this one suck so much? Yeah. Why, why is this one so much less powerful? Yeah, I don't know. And I, I hope to one day learn the answer, but I don't know <laughs> if I ever will. Um, so yeah, I'll look up who is the, the primary designer on this deck and ask them. At no, some I, point I think it's someone we know, but, uh, it probably it probably is someone we know, but I know each of the decks had like a primary designer and then the team worked oh, sure. together. So I, I want to see like, ooh, what were what was the what was the goal? What are you, what are you doing? Um, but I guess all that said, 
Um, confusion aside, we can get on to the Bant Commanders, or the Brokers, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first one is Cross Defense Contractor. This is a 2-4 Cat Advisor for one green, white, blue. And they have, at the beginning of your upkeep, put a shield counter on target creature and opponent controls. And whenever you put one or more counters on a creature you don't control, tap that creature and goad it against Trample until your next turn. Um, I feel like I have to do the obligatory, like, generous patron mention. Um, I I feel like I've said this before, but, like, this card is like a junk rare right now. Generous Patron is a three mana creature with support from Battle Bond. And uh, whenever you put a counter on a creature you don't control, you draw a card. Um, it's a junk rare right now, and they're going to keep making stupid things <laughs> like Cross and, and other Generous Patrons. So I would, if, if this commander speaks to you, pick some up now because they will probably be worth more later. Um, the best kind of counter to give out, honestly, is going to be minus one, minus one counters. Um, it makes people hate combat. Uh, it makes their creatures smaller. So even though they do get trample and stuff like that, like you're, they're more likely to trade down and trade poorly. Um, the uh, shield counters that you're doling out get removed when you like bounce creatures. So like that's a good way to like kind of mess with combat. Uh, things get shield counters, and then you bounce them so it doesn't really matter something that's kind of funny about shield counters is because damage removes it uh this guy makes like bridged uh hero of kinsbale and like the other like white damage attacker things like light minefield like a lot better because Mm -hmm. you're basically not giving anything away at that point like if you play a light minefield with your cross they can't there's no benefit to the shield counter like i guess they don't take the however much from the light minefield but like whatever like you still goaded them and made them attack other people um so that's pretty good and it's a pretty good way to make sure the shield counters don't get too much use um the other one that's really funny is like marrow shards might be good in this deck and marrow shards is phyrexian white mana for an instant deal one damage to each attacking creature it's from new phyrexia obviously um so that's all the tech i could find for this guy i don't know how good this guy is i i don't i I would i would venture to guess not at all. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I mean, like, if the best tech you can, like, you can come up with is, like, undoing the benefit you gave your opponents, it's like, yeah. then what am I even yeah, what's running this guy for? Like, um, I feel like you could just put in, like, if you want to prevent people from attacking you in this color identity, you can just, uh, I mean, there's, like, ghostly prison propaganda type effects. I get that goat is, like, you know, a safer bet because an enchantment removal can undo the protection of like a, a ghostly prison. But um, it just, I, I just don't like this at all. If you want to go, there's better commanders for it. Yeah. It, it seems like the benefit to you is so small compared to the benefit to your opponent. Like giving away shield counters is actually terrifying. Cause like mm-hmm. they survive means, wraths. Exactly. Like, yeah. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. No, it's yeah. Shield counters are better. Then they, I, I know, like, so Jason was talking about uh, the mechanic, like, equivalent in Hearthstone. A, a lot of other digital games have had, like, some sort of, like, bubble, protection bubble mechanic, where, like, your thing is safe one time, and if the bubble pops, they're just a regular creature. Um, that's basically, like, what shield counters are. So, like, it's no joke. Like, like yeah, shield counter goes away after, like, a damage or something, but, like, 
they they're better than they look. They play a lot better than they look. So the only thing I would say about Cross that we haven't said yet is that like Goad commanders are also really good planeswalker commanders because mm-hmm. uh, Goad makes people attack players specifically. You can't even attack like your opponent's planeswalker. Um, so that's like the one instance in which I like could see someone being like, I'm gonna make Bant. I'm going to make Bant super friends with Cross. And it's like, okay, like, sure. <laughs> like, like that's, that seems fine. But I, yeah, I don't, I don't think he's like super, super good. But we, we have one more commander to talk about in this episode, which is going to be pretty long. So, um, let's, do you want to get through this last guy? Okay. Yes. This last one is Perry the Pulverizer. It is one green, white, blue for a legendary creature, Rhino Soldier. It's a 3 3. When Perry enters the battlefield, put a shield counter on target creature. As a reminder, a shield counter uh, makes it so that if, it, if that creature would be dealt damage or destroyed, you remove the shield counter from it instead. And whenever Perry attacks, target creature you control gets trample and gets plus X plus X until end of turn where X is the number of different kinds of counters among permanents you control. So in terms of building around parry, like I think it's, uh, I, I like this design space in that there are just so many weird types of counters uh, on different cards. Like, you know, they just, for example, like eroded palliation accord to use palliation counters. There's a million different types of counters out there. Um, so I think it, it could be kind of fun to like go through Scryfall and find all the different weird counters to, to maximize Perry's damage output and his pump effect. Um, but I just I don't think this is the right reward like this, like you dealing extra damage when you attack with your commander and another creature. Uh, or I guess it can pump himself. Well, you dealing extra damage when you attack with your commander is not a very compelling reward for the the deck building restriction that it's placing on you. I would have much preferred to see some way to like get something that actually matters in commander, like, you know, cards, mana, even creatures on board. Um, Some way to like that. Perry is just, I would like Perry for be, I would like for Perry to be an engine rather than, just like a beat stick because beat sticks are just so easily answered and you're just going to feel terrible if you know your opponent just doom blades your parry although well i guess it probably has a shield counter so maybe if they like path to exile your parry um and 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 keep you off of him it just doesn't uh, i i I would doesn't feel like it's worth all the the trouble you went to build your deck in this really bizarre way yeah i i i apologize to anyone who is i've group texted or talked about perry because i i read the card wrong so anyone i've been talking to about perry um i'm not as hyped as i actually (laughs) thought i was about him yeah i think it's it's kind of fun to look at the different kinds of counters that can be there but um I think this again goes into the casual camp, which isn't necessarily bad because I, like I've said before, and I'm going to say a million times, like I don't want them to print Corvolds in every one of these commander sets. So the fact that we have a parry, that's fine. (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, someone's going to have fun and and that's fine. Um, but we have a bunch of main deck cards. Um, and I'm actually really excited for the white ones. Like, do, do you want to get into these guys? Sure. Yeah, I'll start with um, reading off Aerial Extortionist. This is three white white for a four three creature bird soldier with flying. When it enters the battlefield or deals combat damage to a player, exile up to one target non-land permanent. For as long as that card remains exiled, its its owner may cast it, and whenever another player casts a spell from anywhere other than their hand, draw a card. Um, so it's a, a little expensive, um, but and of course it doesn't permanently answer anything, but it is a repeatable source of card advantage. Um, if you're running a blink deck, it can really disrupt your opponents and eat up a lot of their tempo by forcing forcing them to recast their most expensive things. Um, I think it's an interesting card. I don't think I would play it in every white deck, but the ones that can get the most advantage out of uh, blinking it, uh, I think it could be pretty compelling in those types of decks. Yeah, I, I am pretty excited for this card too. I think this is... Um... A really interesting tool that they're giving white um tempo is kind of like a tenuous word in the magic community i don't think like a, a, i know that like a lot of pros agree on what it is but i feel like a lot of like casual players don't and mm-hmm. I, I really do feel like this is actually like tempo in commander where you're you're not taking cards out of anyone's way you're just making it harder to move forward um and it does it in a way that like works with a lot of what white is already doing so i am down i'm glad to see draw a card and another white card and especially one i want to play because uh, there's going to be some that we talk about that i'm <laughs> like not super into um and yeah i'm just really happy this card exists i think it i, I think it is legitimately a great card mm-hmm. Um, so this next one, uh, <laughs> this next one is Angelic Sleuth. Uh, this is a two, three angel advisor with flying for three mana. They keep printing these three mana angels. Uh, it says whenever another permanent you control leaves the battlefield, if it had counters on it, investigate. Um, you get into it first because I basically feel the same way you do about it. <laughs> so there's this old spirit cleric, um, from back in shadows over innistrad block called bygone bishop it's two and a white for a two three creature spirit cleric with flying and whenever you cast a creature spell with mana value three or less investigate so i really tried to make that work in a lot of white decks and what i've found is is just like i i don't think investigating is the solution for white's card draw problem because white is so pinched on mana anyway like white is also really bad at generating mana uh, smothering tithe notwithstanding so mm, forcing you to spend a resource that you don't have in great quantities to get another resource you don't have in great quantities like do- that doesn't really seem like it is fixing white yeah it's just um, like forcing it through a choke point and it, i don't know anyone who's driven through traffic at like emerge knows how effective that can be <laughs> that's basically what they're doing but like in magic terms in magic like mechanics yeah and of course like this is a, a pretty narrow card it only cares about permanence with counters leaving the battlefield so 
not a huge number of white decks that are naturally able to meet that condition. Um, you know, especially given that there aren't many sack outlets in this color identity. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think this is amazing, especially like if you're going to be heavily invested in counters in in these decks, it'd often be shield counters, in which case like you're kind of protected from wraths anyway, so you don't need this insurance. Yeah, that's definitely true. And anyway, do you have any other thoughts or anything you want to add? Yeah, uh, not so much about like this card in particular, but just about like investigating as a mechanic and looking at it in regards to commander. Every time they print another white card, because they they've done it in at least the last few sets, they print a white card that like investigates or or makes these like treasure or clue tokens. Um, is that it makes Academy Manufacturer like a really good mono white card. So the only time I would really run Angelic Sleuth is if I'm really trying to like make that happen. Like if I have anything other to do with the clue tokens, this could still generate value, especially in a deck that like is already running Academy Manufacturer. But this is one of the worst <laughs> clue <laughs> generators we've gotten in a while like even in the forgotten realm set there's a card that like i was both of us were pretty down on and i've come up a little bit where it's like uh when you attack someone you make a clue and if you sat clues you investigate or you uh, venture into the dungeon i can't remember what that card is called off the top of my head that's actually been like pretty okay for me it's not like the best card in the world but like when i have artifact synergies that card is actually like okay this is like too many hoops I feel like. So that's that's where I'm going to leave this. I feel like Angelic Sleuth is too many hoops for me. Maybe it fits into a deck you have. And if it does, like, congrats, a deck that, like, blinks for the lid to get value or something like that. But mm-hmm. but that's not anything I have in my in my uh, cabinet right now. You know, any decks I got going. Um, this next card, do you want me to read it off and you uh, get into them? Yeah, sure. Go for it. So this is Boss's Chauffeur. This is a 0-0 elf citizen for 5 mana, 4 and a white. Uh, they have bosses. Chauffeur enters the battlefield with a number of plus 1, plus 1 counters on it, equal to 1 plus the number of other creatures you control. So it's as big as your board, basically. It says alliance. Uh, whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control, put a plus 1, plus 1 counter on bosses. Chauffeur. And when bosses Chauffeur dies, create a 1-1 one, one green and white citizen creature token for each plus 1, plus 1 counter on it. Yeah, I, what what's going on here? So I think there's a couple. At first, I was like, ah, it's a lot of vanilla value. But there, there's a couple commanders that are really interested in this effect. Um, so like one that seemed pretty fantastic was uh, Felisa, one of the Silver Quill commanders from the C21 precons. Um, Felisa says, whenever a non-token creature you control dies, if it had counters on it. Uh, create X tapped two one white and black inkling creature tokens with flying where X is the number of counters it had on it. So if this guy, I mean, it seems like boss's chauffeur is going to grow very large, very quickly, especially if like Felisa triggers for one of your other creatures. So Felisa mm-hmm. triggers from one of your other creatures makes a bunch of inklings. This guy gets a bunch of counters on him. When he dies, you get both a bunch of inklings from Felisa and a bunch of citizens from his own ability. Um, just seems like a, a lot of value. Similarly, like Tesa Karlov, the, the third Tesa, 
she tends to run a lot of um i mean she encourages token generation so i I can see it would be pretty easily easy to trigger this guy's alliance ability and then she doubles death triggers so she'll make twice as many citizens um uh, out of the chauffeur's uh, death trigger uh the least reverent medium uh i think that's her title that's her yeah yeah you got it um so at the beginning of each end step, create X one one white spirit creature tokens with with flying, where X is the number of tokens you created this turn. So she will also double up the token generation from Boston Chauffeur, uh, Alenda the Dusk Rose. Um, she's another good house for this card because um, she's it, it's kind of like the same cards that are good with Alenda are also good with Boss's Chauffeur. There, there's just a yeah, a lot of like black, white ish color identities that are pretty interested in Boss's Chauffeur. So good card for those decks. Yeah. And and I do want to say something else too that is pretty interesting about the card is that like because it's a zero zero in the yard, um, it is really compliant with a lot of well not a lot, but like certain white reanimations, specifically like Vesperlark, Revelark, um, Dusk to Dawn, uh, cares about it. Um graceful restoration which is a card that it's like a sorcery from um modern horizons 2 i think it was and you can return two creatures with power two or less from a graveyard to the battlefield um so they're gonna keep making stuff like this it's good in like nethroi decks where your commander's just a uh (laughs) a sorcery that gets back a bunch of creatures all at once Mm -hmm. um so as they keep printing white reanimation, looking at small things and specifically like small powers and toughnesses, um, then uh, this is going to just keep getting better. So um, yeah, I think it's cool. It is weird. There's a flavor. I feel like there's a flavor disconnect here. Cause like, why is the boss packing his car full of like citizens? Like, isn't the boss's chauffeur supposed to drive the boss? Around. He's driving all the boss's kids around. He's driving. <laughs> yeah, he's been getting busy. Um, mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh, do you want to move on to the next card? Yes. Uh, so this is contractual safeguard. It is two and a white for an instant. Addendum: If you cast this spell during your main phase, put a shield counter on a creature you control, and then choose a kind of counter on a creature you control. Put a counter of that kind on each other creature you control. So uh, I'll give a shout out to Rachel Weeks. Uh, she suggested using this in a deck with access to indestructible counters like Rasona or Cathril, uh to make all your creatures indestructible. That seems really cool. Um, I, I wish that like it didn't have the addendum restriction. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I, th- I think like putting a shield counter on all your creatures at instant speed for three mana is totally fine like there's already a whole bunch of indestructible graners at three mana this would be slightly better but not like hugely better i I think it would be just not an issue and and like honestly a lot of those indestructible graners are kind of weak anyway yeah no i i absolutely agree with that um i would have been more upset if we didn't get a card we're going to talk about later in the set Mm -hmm. um but yeah really Honestly, like, finally, a reason to play Rizona. It's <laughs> kind of how I feel about this. Like, oh, okay, well, now there's actual tech for <laughs> this for this deck. So, 
um, sad that if you get hit, she still loses her indestructible counter, but well, we don't have to think well, about that. Yeah. Um, the next card is a Damning Verdict. Uh, this is a white sorcery for five mana, three white white. It says, destroy all creatures with no counters on them. Um, man, I just for the life of me can't think of like a commander to put this in. Do you know what deck wants this card? <laughs> Uh, that's really tough. I don't know. I, I think we're going to have to punt this one to the listeners. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. If you, if you're running some counters in your, your bad boy, uh, if you got a new toy, you got something fun to play with. And by fun, I mean, you one side did wrath the, the table. So congrats, everyone. You did it. Um, do you want to move on to the card? We're both excited. About? <laughs> yes. Yeah. This is one of the more, this is probably, it's probably- one of the, more exciting new new cards for certain yeah uh, this is grand crescendo it's x white white for an instant create x one one green and white citizen creature tokens creatures you control gain indestructible until end of turn um so i've complained for a long time that every white indestructible granting instant except flawless maneuver costs three or more mana um it's a pretty terrible rate considering that these effects are are essentially like extremely narrow counter spells yes so seeing one where the the base rate is just uh two mana for your guys getting indestructible that is in itself interesting to me and like i would probably put this card into a bunch of decks but having like a pretty good rate token generation effect stapled onto it is fantastic as well like i've also talked about how white needs more instant speed token generation so that it can just naturally dodge board wipes um by putting things onto the battlefield at the end of turn and then on my turn i play some sort of anthem or um overrun effect so this card does several things i wanted um and the rate is good and i think if you're interested in playing white aggressive decks or white token decks i would strongly suggest looking into this card yeah, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. I'm not going to add too much to it. Like, this card is just very powerful, and I'm glad it exists. Mm-hmm. Um, So we have just a few more white cards. Uh, well, I said that, but there's actually more than that. <laughs> so um, well, I guess let's just keep going. Um, This next one is called Jailbreak. It is a sorcery for two mana, one and a white. And it says, return target permanent card in an opponent's graveyard to the battlefield under their control. When that permanent enters the battlefield, return up to one target permanent card with equal or lesser mana value from your graveyard to the battlefield. Um, so some interesting like mechanics things is that if someone wants to hate out your graveyard, they have to do it before the spell resolves because you don't actually target any of your stuff. You only target the opponent's thing. Um, so that's a fun little thing that's definitely going to get people at some point in time (laughs) but um this is a weird card some people in our our uh discord were a lot higher on it than i am because i'm one of the resident necromancers i I pretty much make any color combo a, a graveyard deck and people were talking about using it in reanimator lists um but I don't know. I think you feel the same way as me about that, though. Like, I just don't see. I, I can't imagine getting what I want back 
all the time, especially without giving something very good away to an opponent. Yeah. When was the last time you saw like a creature with seven mana value or greater in one of my graveyards? Yeah. (laughs) No, exactly. Like that, that's one of the things or like, let's say I even just want to get back a small creature, like unless the opponent is a graveyard deck also like, what am I going to give them back there? Like Thran Dynamo to get a four drop. Like, I'm not exactly sure how well this is going to play when, uh, when I when I want something back, you know, like yeah, I can fill up my graveyard, but I I honestly might prefer just having like a uh like false life or something like that. Like mm-hmm. even though false it's more defeat, mana, false defeat exactly. Uh, just so that I can get back what I want, even if it is four mana instead of two. So yeah, I I'm also I'm very skeptical about using this in Reanimator because it seems like Reanimator you're trying to do things as quickly as possible. Like I I'm gonna get I'm gonna discard this to I'm gonna play Neambi, discard this on turn three, and then Reanimate it on turn four, mm-hmm. and putting additional restrictions like oh, and my opponent also has to have like a ten CMC creature in their graveyard so I can get back my Jingitaxias. That sucks. That's yeah. not good. Um, <laughs> but what I actually do like about this card is I think the base case is I get back my fetch and my opponent gets back their fetch. I think that like it's all, like them expecting them to have like a really expensive creature or or other permanent in their graveyard. That's uh, maybe that's not going to happen. But I think it is not unreasonable to expect that like one of my opponents has a land in their graveyard. And I can build my deck so that I have like just a, a bunch of fetches, so that I'll be I'll have targets to get something back, and then it's potentially like a two mana ramp spell in white that like not only ramps you for two but also brings it back untapped. So like the net cost is one. Um, so that being the floor of the card, that that actually seems pretty good to me. And then the ceiling is like, oh, my opponent actually does have like some. Like somehow has a car a permanent card in their graveyard that's expensive but not impactful, so that I can reanimate something huge. That uh, so I'm into this card as long as you view it as like a nature's lore or a three visits. Yeah, <laughs> yeah honestly, yeah, rather than like a an anime dead. Yeah, and and I'm down with that. Like white keeps getting these like funny land ramp spells via graveyard so if this is just like we both get like a terramorphic expanse back or we both get a fetch back fabled passage whatever like that's that could be worse you know and and i'm I'm happy to give an opponent a land so that i can keep going with my game plan so Mm -hmm. um this next one is like we're both kind of scratching our heads about it seems like but i'm gonna read it off it basically has like a paragraph as a text box so this is master of ceremonies they are a 3-4 Rhino Druid for 4 mana, 3 and a white. And here's the paragraph. At the beginning of your upkeep, each opponent chooses money, friends, or secrets. For each player who chose money, you and that player create a treasure token. For each player who chose friends, you and that player create a citizen, a 1-1 citizen. For each player who chose secrets, you and that player each draw a card. Um, <laughs> huh. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, what do you think the default option is going to be here? Uh, I think the default option is citizen. Like, you know, we we talk about uh, how Pongify or whatever is good because mid to small creature, like vanilla creatures, just don't matter in Commander. So if an opponent is... Well, the default for an opponent who doesn't want to give you anything useful is definitely going to be citizens because um, it's just a random dork that gets blocked by everything. Uh, I don't know how... I think the real question is, like, in your metagame, are your opponents spiteful? Are they trying to, like, not give away anything valuable? Or are they, like, happy to to give something away as long as they get something good in return. Like if this is always you draw three cards and each opponent draws one card, um, that's very good for white, but I'm just skeptical that that's going to happen. And also like if uh, with treasure, for example, like I, I would like much rather run even like a, a Hedron Archive or a Sisse's Ring or something if my goal was just to use this to ramp. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, and and of course, like if I'm trying to generate creatures, there's also much more efficient and and reliable ways to do that as well. The like it's just so diffuse in what it like. The only thing here that's like really a good rate and really valuable is if it's always the card draw, but your opponents just have so many options to not give you cards mm-hmm. um so, so it's it's up to your metagame and your friends are they likely to draw cards most of the time in which case this becomes pretty good yeah yeah i'm not gonna say much more about it i think you hit the nail on the head so yeah we'll just have to see how it plays out but honestly like i'm gonna play this card like if it ends up that i'm even drawing like two cards a turn with it like heck yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know like i'm i'm super down for that um this next one is a weird one um this is called resourceful defense it is an enchantment it costs two and a white so three mv whenever a permanent you control leaves the battlefield if it had counters on it put those counters on target permanent you control and it has four and a white so five mana Move any number of counters from target permanent you control to another target permanent you control. Um, so th- does this work the way I think it does? Like, can if I if Planeswalker dies, I can put those loyalty counters on this guy, right? Like, I could move the loyalty counters to resourceful defense. So it depends on how it dies, because I'm if like a Planeswalker gets attacked to death, I think what's happening is like yeah, the it damage the causes loyalty. the loyalty, and then it yeah gets placed in the graveyard as a state based effect because oh I don't have any more loyalty. Mm. Um, but if the Planeswalker just gets hit by like a Vindicate, then yes, you should be able to move those loyalty counters onto something else. Um, it's uh, I think it interacts pretty well with like blink effects. Mm-hmm. If you have like a Brago or or maybe an Amina too, I think. Um, those work really well with planeswalkers. You can use your Amina to uh, blink a planeswalker, move all the loyalty counters onto another planeswalker, maybe Amina to herself, um, and then end of turn, the planeswalker comes back with all its its starting loyalty on it. So yeah. neat okay. way to to shift things around and and generate additional loyalty counters. Um, in, in a plus one plus one counter deck, it's also seems fine there. Uh, 
certainly good if you're planning on certainly good if you're planning on like sacrificing them like in in terms of it's not going to really well i guess you can like move all your plus one plus one counters onto the resourceful defense and then pay five mana to put it onto something else but it's in that case it's certainly doing a much worse version of the ozolith finally a place for my dagatar commander (laughs) (laughs) the just really disappointing fate reforged abzan counters commander uh well, I don't know. I like this card. I think it's it's interesting. Um, it does kind of suck that it costs five to like move counters in a pinch, you know. Like, but it, it I think it's cool that you can have this escape valve. Like, oh no, all my stuff died. I just guess I'll put the counters here. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, that could could be worse, but I think it's pretty good. Um, this next one is. Skyboon Evangelist. This is a 3-3 flying bird advisor for 5 mana, 4 and a white. When Skyboon Evangelist enters the battlefield, support 6. So support 6 is put a plus 1 plus 1 counter on up to 6 other target creatures. So each of 6 creatures gets a plus 1 plus 1 counter. You don't have to control them, so you can be friendly if you want, but why would you do that Not most of the time? Um... And it says, whenever a creature with a counter on it attacks one of your opponents, that creature gains flying until end of turn. Um, So your friends get that for free, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, which is honestly pretty cool. So, yeah, how do you feel about this guy? Uh, I like it. I've I've talked about in the past how, like, when I've built plus plus one counter decks, um, often there's this tension between, like, I need counters on all my guys to activate, like, the things, like, I don't know. uh like draw a card for each creature you control with a plus plus one counter on it there's a couple cards like that so or like you know creatures you control with plus plus one counters on them have have lifelink or whatever uh there's a lot of things that just care about the state of your creatures having a counter on them rather than like say the number of counters um and so there's this tension with like you know i need creatures i also need a way to get counters on them and then i need the payoffs and the best cards in the plus one plus one, plus one counter decks are the ones that like meet as many of those conditions as possible. So there, and and I've lamented about the, the fact that like there aren't as enough of those types of cards that do multiple of those things, like provide creatures and provide counters for a lot of creatures and act as a payoff. Uh, Skyboon Evangelist, however, like does meet that need of uh all my creatures uh have counters on them and there's here's a reward for having counters on them um and i also like that there's a slight political angle like support six does allow you to put counters on your opponent's creatures and uh it it the way the ability is worded whenever a creature with a counter on it attacks one of your opponents that creature gains flying until end of turn so if you're it'll it makes it so that like there is a reason to put counters on your opponent's things like here's an incentive to attack each other and uh, i'm just going to help you do that you're welcome everyone (laughs) yeah so i think this is a cool card um definitely like a tool this is not like a white staple but it's a cool piece of tech Um, yeah I, i like this card yeah this next one is really exciting this is our last white card for the day this is smuggler share it is an enchantment costs three mana two and a white 
At the beginning of each end step, draw a card for each opponent who drew two or more cards this turn. Then create a treasure token for each opponent who had two or more lands enter the battlefield under their control this turn. Um, this is awesome. I think this is like actually a useful white enchantment. Um, people were lauding monologue text when that came out, and then we're like, oh, this is actually not that good. And it's like, well, yeah, not, I don't know. It, it was obvious to us that it, that was not going to be that good, but but this actually seems great. Um, tons of decks ramp. You're going to hit treasure, like not a lot, but you're going to get some treasure off of it, and you're absolutely going to draw some cards off of it. I yeah, was, even if this only draws like one extra card per round of turns, like that's that's pretty good for mono white. Like for not having for any type of of deck building restriction on you. Like you don't have to be playing tokens you don't have to be like having a bunch of creatures into the battlefield uh it's just entirely reliant on what your opponents are doing but it's it's something that is pretty common and any white deck can probably make use of this card Mm -hmm. yeah very happy with it so um yeah cool awesome white got a lot of cool toys this time Mm -hmm. uh which gets us to blue which uh there's a lot of blue cards, and I don't think we have a lot to say about most of them. So let's try and get through this quick. But this is Avon Courier, a 1-1 flying bird advisor for two mana, one in a blue. Uh, it has whenever Avian Courier attacks, choose a counter on a permanent you control. Put a counter of that kind on target permanent you control if it doesn't have a counter of that kind on it. This is, it's just such a weird little, like, why didn't it just, like, it's a rare and it's worse than, like, Thrumming Bird. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where I'm sitting on this guy. <laughs> yeah, I I don't love it. Um, I don't entirely know like where it's supposed to go. It it does help you achieve that state of like now more of my creatures are covered with plus one plus one counters for the 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 cards that care about that, like inspiring call or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just like it's slow. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't really help you once you've already achieved that state of yes. like all oh, my guys have counters now. It's just kind of a worthless one-one flyer at that point. Yeah, I'm just like it's a rare. Like mm-hmm. it's a it's a rare. Like well, it, this could have just said proliferate or like and anything else, and it would have been better. But I think that would have broken the illusion. I think they put the whole paragraph of text to like distract you from the fact that this doesn't actually do that much it's it's better with with ability counters um because it's hard to spread those around Uh, there's not many cards that give all of your creatures a specific ability counter like denry clin uh who we talked about i don't know like two hours ago at this point um is one of the few consistent ways of doing that so yeah i don't i'm just not gonna play this card until there's a reason to and i don't know if there ever will be yeah, uh, I, I feel the same way. I think it's pretty narrow. Right. Um, uh, yeah, this next one I, is funny. <laughs> yeah, I'll read this off. This is Cephalid Face Taker. It's two and a blue for a 1-4 creature Cephalid Rogue. It can't be blocked. And at the beginning of combat on your turn, you may have Cephalid Face Taker become a copy of another target creature until end of turn, except it's 1-4 and has this creature can't be blocked. So... I'd say that like cryptoplasm is the closest analog we have. Um, that's one blue blue for a two two at the beginning of your upkeep. It becomes a, a copy of another target creature uh, and gains a civility. So it's a clone, a cheap clone that 
doesn't get ETB effects. And and Cryptoplasm only sees play in a uh, little under 3,000 decks on EDH rec. Um, I think that Cephalid Taker, Face Taker is mostly better than that, but I just don't think that like there's a huge appetite for clones that don't get Enter the Battlefield effects, uh, maintain weak stats, and just like aren't soup like they don't really slot into the clone based combos i just don't think anyone really wants this i know i I feel the same way and it's kind of a bummer because like the type line is cool um so like maybe in like anawan rogues this is fine you know like double the problem there is like it it doesn't if it copies something it doesn't maintain the type line so it's are you going to play this just as a three cost one power unblockable oh, right. rogue because you can get that for one mana that's true huh huh oh well well yeah the art's really good so yeah the art's cool. <laughs> it's, 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 that's kind of what this card's got going for it um do you want to read off the next card too we're going to go through a lot of like i said we're going to go through a lot of these blue cards really fast so sure um, uh this is change of plans it is x one blue for an instant each of x target creatures you control connive you may have any number of them phase out so connive as a reminder uh for a creature to connive means that um you draw a card discard a card and then if you discarded a non-creature or sorry a non-land card the creature that connived gets a plus plus one counter um so i really don't like cards where you like have to pay extra mana to phase out more creatures like teferi's protection is cool but like the the march the blue march from yeah um, yeah like I don't want to have to pay a bunch of mana to to save my guys. Like, ideally, I'm paying two to three mana for that effect, especially in blue, where it's like if I'm phasing out a bunch of creatures, uh, that probably means I'm doing it in response to a wrath, and I could just counter the wrath. Yeah, so, absolutely. I I feel exactly the same way. Uh, what I will say is like you know the connive is not useless, and I would consider running this in a Hinata deck because. In that deck, you don't actually have to pay the X cost. It's just two mana, bunch of creatures you control connive, and they they can phase out if I want them to, and yeah. that seems fine. Yeah, I I agree with that. I I'm waiting for blue to get like two or three mana. Your board phases out because like March of Swirling Miss is like I don't know. It's just such a miss, you know. Like it it's like so close to something that like could be really good but it's it's not and so i was really hoping this would be but yeah like you said the connive is not bad so uh until until then uh phase out instant um this next one is goofy this is a goofy blue enchantment it's called extravagant replication it costs four and two blue so six mana it says at the beginning of your upkeep create a token that's a copy of another target non-land permanent you control period that's it um very simple uh very splashy you know <laughs> the sky's the limit as long as you're okay going 25 in a school zone to get there so mm-hmm. that's kind of my take on this card yeah definitely like a six mana do nothing enchantment um something that like would have been fine 10 years ago uh these days like having to basically use your whole turn's tempo and then wait until your next upkeep to get value uh that's uh 
I, I, it's not something I want, really want to be doing a lot of these days. Yeah. <laughs> but there are some powerful things you can do with it. Like if you copy a Kega every turn, you get to permanently steal a creature each upkeep. That sounds kind of cool. Mm-hmm. If, if they ever print like Paradox Engine on a commander, this card would probably deserve a, a second look. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, there there's just a bunch of things that this can make that are really good. You're like, every turn I get another like Kiora Best the Sea God. <laughs> like every turn I get uh, another, I don't know, Nyx Bloom Ancient or something, you know? Like there's just mm-hmm. a bunch of things that go absolutely like off the rails with this, but you do have to spend a turn casting a six drop and then it doesn't have to get blown up and then you Mm -hmm. have to have the other thing to copy with it so um even though this looks very powerful on the surface there are secret hoops that you have to jump through to get there so uh, definitely a fan but um uh also kind of meh at the same time um do you want me to read off this next one uh i I got this this is flawless forgery it is three blue blue for a sorcery Casualty 3, so if you sack a creature with power 3 or greater as you cast it, you can copy the spell and choose new targets for the copy. Uh, so Flawless Forgery's ability is Exile, Target, Instant, or Sorcery card from an opponent's graveyard. Copy that card. You may cast the copy without paying its mana cost. And I gotta say, I don't love random value effects like this. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm generally it, on your side about that. Yeah, like in Magical Christmas Land, it'll hit like a time warp and something else. And like, that's awesome for you. But you could also just be playing against a bunch of decks who have like a really low curve and their only spells in their graveyard are like spot removal and counter spells, in which case you're spending like five mana on a Doom Blade. Like, I would be much more interested in seeing what this card could do if it could target my own graveyard. Uh, The next card is In Too Deep. This is blue-blue for an enchantment aura with split second. Enchant creature, planeswalker, or clue. Enchanted permanent is a colorless clue artifact token. Or not token. uh, Is a colorless clue artifact with two. Sacrifice this artifact, draw a card, and loses all other abilities. So it's no longer a creature or planeswalker. Um, I'll say this is... I mean, it's certainly no Imprisoned in the Moon but it will get a commander out of the way for a little while. Personally, I don't care too much about giving away a card here. Um, it, I mean, maybe if they have a ton of tempo, it's it's more significant uh, or like a ton of mana available, but I am, I'm not too concerned about that. I, I wouldn't certainly wouldn't run it over imprison the moon. I might not even run it over um, witness protection because that oh, yeah. doesn't, give them an out uh, and it's more efficient but maybe in you're in a meta game with a lot more stack interaction or or you're worried about somebody sacrificing their commander in response somehow or something like that or blinking their commander in response uh, and the split second becomes more valuable so i think this is a useful tool it's uh, it's definitely not the best of its um it's not the best in class i'll say that much Mm mm-hmm yeah, I'm I'm a fan of this too. I think he hit the nail on the head. Um I think this is a great card and I'll probably end up playing it in some decks, so rad. This next one is called Mask of the Schemer. It's an artifact equipment for two and a blue, so three MV. 
It says whenever a quick creature deals combat damage to a player, it connives X, where X is the amount of damage it dealt to that player, and it has an equip cost of two. So, man, what a silly thing. <laughs> like, this is so funny. I immediately thought about like my Malcolm and Dargo list, uh, where Dargo just hits people. I would just connive five to seven cards all the time. Um, and currently because of just the way they've designed pirates, like there are some equipment in that deck. So it'd be like a funny way to like keep the, the ball rolling. Um, and it would make Dargo and or Malcolm bigger from conniving. But like, I, I, I don't know. I feel like the best place for this card is like in partner decks. So like if you're in blue X partner list, this is probably fine. Um, but why, why I don't really partner know. specifically? Um, there's a lot of partners that like just give you access to a color. Like I think there are not many blue commanders that want this in like that that are printed as is, if that makes sense. But like um there's a lot of partners that like get they, they want to attack whether that's like good to do or not, you know? Like mm-hmm. uh the blue white bird that gets bigger or like a Kiri line slinger wants to attack. So if you're in like a Jeskai deck with Akiri, like putting this on Akiri means that you're going to have access to it. You're going to have access to like card draw and stuff. And you're probably already doing something kind of like that in the first place. Like blue, white Arden, like puts it on things easier. Like it seems like there's a lot of partners that interact with it favorably. Like I was saying, like the Dargo and Malcolm deck that I have, uh, Ghost of Ramirez de Pietro, probably like, could use this pretty well there's just like a bunch of when i was looking at blue commanders that want equipment um this seemed to fall out of favor a lot quicker in those lists like it's not really super powerful um if you're just playing like a blue commander that do a hit you know <laughs> mm-hmm. like I, I don't think i'd put this in thermocratis or something like that but yeah, like it is uh, these days, like I'm less interested in, in investing a whole lot of mana in equipment. Like if the equip and if the like cost to cast and equip something is like five mana, it's like, uh, I, it, it's, old. it's, it's more of a cost than it used to be. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I think with this, like, really the there's only a couple commanders that i would be very interested in running it like in riel that could be that could do something like riel's power increases very quickly because you know she it's it's so easy to get instants and sorceries in your graveyard and of course like as you connive you're basically like drawing then discarding then drawing again um so maybe in like a lower powered riel list it could do some work um and I, and and I like how it feeds itself. Like as you mm-hmm. discard things to or discard non-land cards to grow your guy, future values of X will be greater. Um, but it just seems like kind of expensive and slow. And I don't know if there's a, a lot of decks that want it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that's kind of where I'm at too. I'm gonna give it a try. Uh, if it sucks, I'll get back to you. Um, 
on this note, Wand of Orcus uh, rips. <laughs> so anyone wondering about Wand of Orcus from the uh, Forgotten Realms deck, I've had a blast with that card. So if, if Mask of the Schemer in three months when the next set comes out ends up being super good, I will let everybody know. So um, I'm, I definitely love playing with janky equipment. Um, this next card is like very silly, and we I don't think there's much to say about it. It's, it's called Shield Broker. It's a 3-4 Cephalid Advisor for 5 mana, 3 blue-blue. And it has an ETB. When Shield Broker enters the battlefield, put a shield counter on target non-commander creature you don't control. Which I think is one of the f- first time. Is it like... Have they said non-commander on a creature before? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, I'll finish Good the question. thing. I'm not sure if I've this, seen that before. Yeah, this might be the one... It, it's at least one of the only times they've used that tech. But... When Shield Broker enters the battlefield, put a shield counter on target non-commander creature you don't control. You gain control of that creature for as long as it has a shield counter on it. Um, I think this card's cool. It's just another Mind Flayer slash... Um, uh, what's the fairy? The um, Oh, uh, Sower of Temptation. Sower of Temptation, yeah. it's I, I'm, I'm in. I'm down. I, I love these effects. I think this one's kind of interesting. Uh, and it kind of plays nice with your opponent you're like no 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 i'm just gonna use it for a bit i'll lose the shield counter and then you blink it and it's <laughs> it comes back yeah yeah I, I definitely would consider running this in like a, a thassa deep dwelling deck mm-hmm. um you know you take something and then you put it under thassa and it comes back and it's forgotten that it signed a contract uh, and, and yeah. it's just with you forever now um so that seems and then of course like, you can just blink the shield broker later and, and steal something else so that sounds pretty fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. Do you want to read this next card? It's a very silly card. Yes. Uh, so this is Sinister Concierge. It's one and a blue for a 2-1 creature human wizard. When Sinister Concierge dies, you may exile it and put three time counters on it. If you do, exile up to one target creature and put three time counters on it. Each card exiled this way that doesn't have suspend gains suspend. Um, so very weird, unusual effect in this color identity. Um, I was thinking maybe in like Kel's Fight Fixer, that's the black blue commander that can sacrifice things. And when you sacrifice something, you can pay hybrid blue black to draw a card. Um, it's certainly like seems to want to be in a deck where you can control its death trigger for max value um yeah absolutely yeah so neat card i'm curious if there's other decks in the format where it could fit into so listeners please let us know yeah my this is like nothing about the card right now but like i have a feeling that like we'll get this is my un uh ungrounded prediction for the future i think in modern horizons 3 there's going to be a commander that works with suspend um just because it plays so well and limited and it's something that players like but like joyra the get to is like too good mm-hmm. um so maybe if that does end up happening if that prediction is correct then sinister concierge is going to be a good card or I, I don't think it's a bad card i just think it's a really um narrow effect but i'm here for it like if they keep printing stuff like this in blue like blue's already got enough good toys like give me some weird toys i want to play with like the the godzilla someone put like a street sharks like head on top of or something you know like that's great um Mm -hmm. 
This next one's really, I think we both like this one a lot. So I'm, I'll, I'll read it and you want to get into it? Sure, go for it. So this is Skyway Robber. This is a 3-3 bird rogue for four mana, uh, three and a blue. It has flying and it has escape, three blue, so four mana, and exile five other cards from your graveyard. Uh, it says Skyway Robber escapes with whenever Skyway Robber deals combat damage to a player, you may cast an artifact, instant, or sorcery spell from among cards exiled with Skyway Robber without paying their mana costs. Um, so this is really simple. I mean, you escape it, and you can cast the cards you escaped it with. Um, and I, I'm here for it. I like this. Yeah, this seems like a nice way to get value out of a stocked graveyard. It's um, like in, in decks that have a strong self-mill component, this could be just an easy way to get value out of the yard. Um, note that if you... So, so for example, like if you have a, some extra turn spells, this could do really well for you. Uh, you really only need to connect once with this guy and then, okay, now I put my time warp back in the yard. Then I, and on that turn, I attack again. And now I put my uh, temporal manipulation back in the yard. So if you are running a self mill deck with a lot of time warps, um, this could just kind of win you the game on its own, provided you're able to get in once. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think like it only takes hitting like once or twice to get a lot of like man value out of this guy. Um, and I don't know. I'm just, I think it's really cool. I think this is an actual good version of that, like cloud skipper card we got with Delve. Um, oh, the, the whale, the whale. Yeah. Cause that thing like put the card into your hand and it's like, Oh, come on, bud. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, uh, it's fine for legacy, but like, uh, this, I want to, I want some free spells here. So, um, this next one, I think, is our last blue card for the day, um, and it is very silly. It's called Storm of Forms. It's an instant. It's a blue instant, costs three and a blue for four mana. When you cast this spell, copy it for each kind of counter among permanents you control. You may choose new targets for the copies, uh, and what it does, return target non-land permanent to its owner's hand. So... <laughs> I my guess on this is so my first thing I want to say is that like if you're getting like three or four copies of this that's probably fine so that's kind of the goal that's what I'm looking for I'm looking for four copies of storm reforms what commander can get me four copy of storm reforms I have no I have no clue is it mm-hmm. like Guafa Hazid? Is it like Falco Spara? Like maybe Falco Spara's super friends. So you'll have like the loyalty, the shield, maybe some plus one plus one counters. Um, I, I think it's like just parry. I think like that's the only deck. I think it's just parry. And, and that's the deck it's in. So uh, I guess if you bought the precon, you can keep that one in. But I yeah. just don't know if it supports any other decks in the format. Yeah. I mean, Denry, like if you're having ability counters, you might be able to get to four or five or something like that. But like, yeah, I don't. I don't know until they print a blue commander like um what was the one in Akoria that was Abzan that like gave things vigilance counters and stuff Catherall Catherall yeah unless there's like a Catherall or something in blue at some point where like it's just dishing out ability counters like this is just kind of going to be I think on the sideline I think it's going to be too hard to make it work if I'm ever playing a deck and I look at the board and go I have six different kinds of counters I'm going to put Storm of Forms in that list, but I doubt that's going to be an experience I have uh, maybe ever. So uh, I guess on to the black cards if you're cool with that. 
Yeah, uh, I can read off this first one. Sure. So, so Bellowing Mauler is four and a black for a four six creature ogre warrior. At the beginning of your end step, each player loses four life unless they sacrifice a non-token creature. Uh, what what do you think about this card? Um, why is it like a four six? Why did like they're charging me for it being a four six, and I would have been just as happy if it was a two three. Like, I think as a five mana thing that does what this says, um. Don't care. Don't care at all. Um, and I yep. think even as like a three mana thing that did what this says, I, I'm not super into it. Um, but hey, like if you get enough of these group slug things down, they can do some work. So I'm not completely going to knock it. But I think at five mana, this is just not where I want to be. Yeah, I, I hate dealing small chunks of direct damage and I hate giving my opponents choices and I don't love anything about this card so let's move on yeah um so this next one is body count uh body count is an instant it costs three and a black so two or sorry it's a three mana instant costs two and a black uh, but it also has spectacle for a black so spectacle is you can cast it for the spectacle cost if an opponent lost life this turn so if, if an opponent loses life you pay a single black mana to cast the spell what does it do? Draw a card for each creature that died under your control this turn. Holy cow. <laughs> that's nuts. That's This, this is, is that's, very good. Wow. Yeah. Like I feel like this is CEDH playable. Good. I, I, will, I will try not to comment on whether things are CEDH playable, but yeah. like in Aristocrats decks, uh, this seems very, very good. Like it, It's worth noting that... Uh, you know, if you have a grave crawler or a reassembling skeleton or a blood ghast that dies and comes back multiple times, that translates into multiple cards based on how this is worded. Um, so you can just, if if you're playing a deck that's all about blood artist and remembrance of whatever and um, bastion of remembrance and sacrificing goonies and bringing them back over and over, uh, this just seems like a fantastic way to uh to translate that into real card advantage um and of course like if you're playing blood artist and all those other things and pinging your opponents then you're it's very easy for you to trigger the spectacle cost on this so it's just going to be one mana to draw a billion cards it seems awesome yeah absolutely agree uh very strong and uh, i think if you are doing that you can get it. I also think if you're playing Aristocrats, you're going to get that spectacle cost because there's going to be like blood artists and whatnot floating around, Zillaport cutthroats and whatnot. So definitely like a super strong card for that archetype. Um, next one is I, I actually like this card a lot. This is a uh, Dodged Detective. Um, this is a two-one human rogue for two mana, one in a black. Uh, when Dodged Detective enters the battlefield, surveil two. Um, and whenever an opponent draws their second card each turn, you may return Dodge a Detective from your graveyard to your hand. Um, Dodge it or Dogged? Oh, is it Dogged? Yeah, I think it is. Oh, man. Dogged Detective. Well, Ella, you can laugh at me. I'm not editing that out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but this is cool. I, I actually like this. Like, um, my thoughts on it was like Armix plus a blue partner. Um, is pretty good because then you get the surveil um and you can i don't know you can make things happen that way armix is the three two for three you can pitch a card to like shrink things like kill things uh during combat uh as morena mardakai to stin a i think i said that right is pretty good with pretty this good. guy 
Yeah. Um, because you, it's basically just repeated discard fodder, so you can actually make food tokens to do what she wants to do uh, with her uh, book of cookbook of the dead or damned or whatever it was. Um, hmm. This is fodder for Chromium, who just will forever be able to dodge kill spells. Chainer 2.0. You can always pitch this. Olivia 2.0 is the same. You can pitch this when you play things, give them haste, make them vampires or whatever. And then Rankle. You basically just always come out ahead on the discard and then you can make sure an opponent draws their second card <laughs> each turn. Um, so you can pitch this and then just get it back, which seemed pretty good to me. Um, so yeah, I... Uh, oh, actually, does that work or does it happen in the wrong order? Because do you draw a card and then discard a card with Rankle? Uh, I think you draw and then discard. discard. Oh, okay. So yeah. it, I guess... Uh, well, I'm, I'm still technically just slower than I thought, so that sucks. Yeah, you just but, have to wait a turn. Yeah, but um, yeah, I'm. Or actually, no, sorry. It is discard first and then draw. I'm. I'm. I apologize. Oh. Um, yeah, so that's pretty good. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I'm. I'm actually kind of more into this. It's very specific, you know. Um. Definitely not like a powerhouse. <laughs> it's basically just a squee, but different. But you know, black yeah. doesn't have a squee, so. Yeah, I, I was thinking about this like index running survival of the fittest. Um, I, I think like it's just pretty e like I think like for the same reason that smugglers share is good because it's likely to draw you at least one card a turn. I think this is likely to come back to your hand at least once per round of turns. Um, and so it's just like a free use of survival of the fittest every round at, at the very least, potentially more. And that seems great to me, just like tutor a creature directly into my hand for one green mana at no other cost um so i i think it could see play in those decks it is a very good tool for decks for already running survival of the fittest mm -hmm. yeah absolutely um gets us to the next card um i love the flavor on this card uh it's called lethal scheme it is an instant it's black costs two and two black um so four mana and it has convoke uh, it says, destroy target creature or planeswalker. Each creature that convoked lethal scheme connives. Um, I I don't know. I'm. Uh, I know how you feel about it because I can read it. But um, <laughs> I actually like this card. I think uh, kind of the same way that like um, Vanquish the Horde, like obviously has a downside but has pretty big upside. I feel like that with lethal scheme i feel like this is like something i'm still gonna play even though i know that the floor is like abysmal because <laughs> yeah. the floor in this is a f is is not good you know it's like a four mana kill spell which is like not the, it, that might be fine for standard or whatever but not where i want to be in commander but the ceiling on this is like i tap out do a bunch of stuff and then if someone comes at me i connive four times and kill something it's like mm -hmm. that's crazy good so um i'm pretty I, into this spell the way i look at this card um is that it's primarily about the looting rather than the killing because mm -hmm. uh like like i want my spot removal to be reliable and to be really efficient and while like there is that like magical Christmas land of, oh, I have four untapped creatures uh, and I'm able to use this to loot a bunch of times and, and kill something in response to something heinous that was going to happen. 
that sounds really cool. But, you know, as you mentioned, there are going to be situations where all I where I don't have creatures on the board and I'm really worried about my opponent dropping a Kiki or something. And I just have to hold four mana up in case something happens like that sounds absolutely miserable. So I'm, I'm not going to replace my efficient removal spells with this card, but I might put it in. I might take something else out to fit this in because it is just like a lot of card selection in the decks that are running lots of creatures and the, mm. the kill spell is sort of just a bonus. Yeah, I think this is good in like decks that make a lot of like zombies or like rogues or something to that effect, you know, like th- this is like or just like a um, you know, even in aristocrats deck where you've got all these goonies and and blood artists that you're not really attacking with a whole lot. Yeah, that's definitely true. So, yeah, I'm I'm like I said I'm still high on it. Uh I understand like the downsides of it, but I I think it does something in a pretty cool way that we haven't so connecting those two things isn't something we've gotten before for some reason so i'm i'm happy to to give it a shot um do you want to read off this next card yes this is make an example it is three and a black for sorcery each opponent separates the creatures they control into two piles for each opponent you choose one of their piles each opponent sacrifices the creatures in their chosen pile and uh just so you know piles can be empty they can <laughs> if you, you can make a deal with someone and they go zero and three and you go i got you bud and then you pick the three obviously you're double crossing them but no um you pick the zero and, and they're fine um i think this is cool um i i am glad that it will always get you the best thing you know mm-hmm. i'm glad it doesn't target this just has a lot of weird niche things like going for it and i'm I'm kind of here for it yeah i i think i'm i like this card um there's certainly more efficient options if you're just trying to get pure value like um uh gosh what's the the liliana instant um oh the liliana's uh defeat or is it liliana's, liliana's triumph so, triumph. so yeah. that's one in a black instant each opponent sacrifices a creature so if you're just trying to get value like that's the most efficient and fastest way to get it but if you like want to make a a, an impact on the board if you want to like answer uh the biggest threats or if there's a lot of creatures out there that you want to take care of make it an example seems great for that this i could see this generating tons of cards very efficiently and of course it leaves your board alone so it's um there's going to be situations where this is much much better than a damnation or something yeah Uh, do you want to read it off Sure, this is Misfortune Teller. It is three and a black for a 3-1 creature human warlock with death touch. Whenever Misfortune Teller enters the battlefield or deals combat damage to a player, exile target card from a graveyard. If a creature card was, or sorry, if it was a creature card, create a 2-2 black rogue creature token. If it was a land card, create a treasure token. Otherwise, you gain three life. Uh, So how would you say this ranks compared to... uh, some of the other graveyard hate options in commander <laughs> uh, pretty poorly I, i'm just pretty trolled that this is a three one um like yes okay cool it has death touch but like what like, like a four mana not haste having three one that hoses graveyards like in what world is this like gonna live long enough to really do what i want it to do like yeah 
Ugh. For for me, like the best point of comparison is like Deathrite Shaman. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so Deathrite Shaman uh, is a single hybrid green black mana, um, and it can tap to exile a land card from a graveyard to add a mana of any color. Um, it can you could pay black and tap and exile a creature card from a graveyard to gain two life. And you can pay black and tap and exile an instant or sorcery card from a graveyard to make each opponent lose two life. So it does mostly the same things, but, uh, way, 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 way more efficiently. You don't have to risk it in combat. Uh, it comes down earlier. So it starts doing it faster. It's, it's just, uh, much better in all respects it'll it is also instant speed you can activate all these at any time so whereas like the misfortune teller is limited to to working on your own turn um so i don't understand the impetus behind creating this card i think the art is very cool Mm -hmm. but i have no desire to put this into a commander deck yeah nils always kills it so i'm very like the art is so cool and the card is really just not deserving of it the text box really deserved better, or the the art deserved better of the text box. Um, this next card is called Protection Racket. It is an enchantment, two and a black. It says at the beginning of your upkeep, repeat the following process for each opponent in turn order. Reveal the top card of your library. That player may pay life equal to that card's mana value if they do exile the card. Otherwise, put it into your hand. Um, what do you think about this card? So I think this is useful in narrow circumstances. Um, like if you flip over land, you know, two drop, two cost removal spell, and a like a Thran Dynamo or something. Well, any land you flip with this, your opponent is going to exile permanently. They're they're going to pay zero life to deny you a useful card. That's just going to happen, uh, and. For me, like I would also pay, you know, probably up to two to three life to uh, deny you a useful card. So it's really only the the very expensive things that don't that aren't like combo pieces because they're not going to let you have those either. So like the, the the if you look at your deck, you can figure out what are people likely to give me. What is the the like um, the intersection of like high enough mana cost? and not and like not game winning that will actually allow this card to to run the gauntlet of opponents um that being said i think there is one at least one deck in particular that that really wants this card and that is rakdos lord of riots um so rakdos lord of riots you can only cast him if an opponent has lost life this turn and creature spells you cast costs uh one less to cast for each lot life, each point of life lost by your opponents this turn. Uh, essentially, like in that deck, uh, if your opponents don't pay life, okay, great, you draw a bunch of cards. And if your opponents do pay life, then your spells are much cheaper. So it seems like a, a damned if you do, damned if you don't kind of situation. That seems pretty good to me. Uh, but I think in general, in most decks, this is not going to be great. Yeah. Yeah, I think it is very, very situational. Um, but yeah, I'm super down to play this in a Rakdos list. Um I don't know. I guess let's just keep moving. We got we got a lot more to go. So um 
This next card is called Waste Management. It is a three mana instant, costs two and a black, and it has kicker of three and a black, so four mana to kick. Uh, it says exile up to two target cards from a single graveyard. If the spell is kicked, instead exile target player's graveyard. Create a 2-2 black rogue creature token for each creature card exiled this way. Um, so I, I mean, earlier when we were talking about the Beamtown Bullies, I was like, man, uh, you kind of really need some graveyard hate to make sure this card doesn't go off. Um, this ain't it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm I'm really not looking, like three mana exile two cards to maybe get some rogues for each creature like what just no. remember that fairy macabre exists like fairy macabre uh <laughs> it it's uh it has the activated ability discard fairy macabre exile up to two cards two target cards from graveyards so can't be countered uh doesn't cost any mana uh and you can target cards in different graveyards so that is what you're up against waste management like how do you how do you all think it stacks up in terms of the the competitiveness of this graveyard hate effect <laughs> yeah i i really i don't see it like i don't understand why they'll they'll would it really have hurt this card to be like exile up to two cards from like graveyards and then kicker exile all cards from graveyards like for seven mana like is it really gonna be that busted <laughs> like i don't <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I don't really get it. So I just don't understand how they costed this effect. Like, yeah. I mean, they print Bajuka Bog at at least once a year in Commander decks. Yeah, uh, they printed it in both the Forgotten Realms and Midnight Hunt Commander decks. So it's like we know what this effect is worth. You can't charge us. Three yeah, well, that's what makes it makes me think that they view this as a token creation card, which I absolutely hate because. Like you have no way of controlling how many black rogues you're gonna get off of yeah. this card ever. So, yeah, that, I pretty would so low. much rather play like a new scrap mob and like, okay, mm-hmm. I know I'm gonna get five guys. Yeah, exactly. And then you can, and then you can get it back from the graveyard. You can reanimate it or whatever. So, yeah, not high on this. Um, this next one is really funny too. I'm just gonna read it real fast because I don't think mm-hmm. we have a lot to say. This is Wave of Rats. Uh, great name. Uh, we'll see if it's a great card in a second. It costs three and a black. So it's four mana for a 4-2 trample. It's a rat. And it says, whenever Wave of Rats dies, if it dealt combat damage to a player this turn, return it to the battlefield under its owner's control. And it has Blitz for four and a black. So this is what we needed for the Blitz deck, right? <laughs> this yeah, it was Blitz all... Label. We're okay. all just waiting on this uh, to get this to get it over the finish line. But uh, <laughs> no, yeah, this is not like... Four to five mana is not what I want to be paying for my self-recurring creatures. Uh, I don't, I, I don't really see why this card was printed in here. Yeah, um, I mean, so, honestly, like paying five mana to draw an extra card each turn seems god awful to me. And that's not even mm-hmm. what this is, you know. Like that's like the best case scenario is like target opponent loses one to four life, and I draw a card for five mana every turn. Like, no, thank you. Yeah um well. yeah <laughs> oh well i mean if it returns though it doesn't have it doesn't even have the blitz text anymore so it's not oh. like you get to draw feature cards it's just like oh you're right that blow <laughs> yeah <laughs> whoops even worse than i thought oh well well writ of return is the next card it's a sorcery it costs three black black it says return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield tapped and it has cypher so th- this is cool what do you think about this card 
let's see. So I think you could probably play this in such a way that you can get like, you know, cast it and then get the cipher immediately by, by hitting somebody. So at that level, like the getting two things back for five mana, that seems pretty solid. Um, obviously, it plays great with sacrifice outlets, like potentially reanimating the same thing over and over could be really good. Um, it is certainly like more vulnerable than just if than if it were just like an enchantment um, that let you reanimate something once a turn. But I still think it's a neat card. Um, I would, I, I'd consider running it in like good decks that are good at filling their graveyard um, and aren't played in metas with lots of spot removal. Because that's mm-hmm. that is like the fail case of this card is I get one thing back and then the the thing I cipher it onto dies. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty much right there with you. I think I'm I'm high on this card. I think this is cool, and I hope people play it because it seems like a blast. Um, the next card is Xander's Pact. Um, it's another black sorcery. It costs six mana for black black. It has casualty two, so you can sack a two drop or a two power guy to copy it. What does it do? Each opponent exiles the top card of their library. You may cast cards from among those cards this turn. If you cast a spell this way, pay life equal to that spell's mana value rather than paying its mana cost. Um. Well, uh, I'm gonna. <laughs> yeah. The what I have to say about this card is very similar to what I had to say about um, uh, flawless forgery because. Mm they both are are playing in the same space of like, I am casting things out of my opponent's deck. Um, and this is just, uh, I mean, it's, it's a gamble. Like, and I don't think it's one that's particularly weighted in your favor. Like you're, you're spending six mana, potentially sacrificing a creature. Uh, you're, you're hoping to get a lot more than six mana worth of value, but I don't, know how likely that is your your opponents could be but like even in just like the the pre-con biodome like are you going to be super happy if you get like your opponent's thing that only works if you have lots of counters on your creatures and like oh this thing is really good if you're playing a blitz deck and like i just just don't uh like the the odds that this gets you six plus mana worth of useful cards um doesn't seem great and and of course it is worth noting that uh lands are a complete whiff you can only cast spells from among those cards you can't play lands mm-hmm. um so 40 percent of the time for each opponent it's going to be just total blank yeah I, it, I, I i don't like this card yeah i was gonna say like just kind of to keep on more negativity <laughs> to this card like even if you do get stuff, like let's say you do get some stuff and you casualty it, so you get stuff twice. Um, so let's say you have like six cards to pull from. Like, are you really, let's say it's like four mana a thing. Are you really going to pay like 24 life to get like just a bunch of random stuff? Like, do I want to put myself to like 16 for like random <laughs> spells that might not? help me win the game like that it just doesn't seem good to me so i'm kind of off of it um which is okay because we got some red cards do you want to read off this first red card sure uh this is audacious swamp 
It is three and a red for an instant. It has casualty two. So you can sack a creature with power two or greater as you cast it. And when you do, you copy it. You may choose new targets for the copy. And the effect is the owner of target non-enchantment permanent shuffles it into their library, then exiles the top card of their library. If it's a land card, they put it onto the battlefield. Otherwise, they may cast it without paying its mana cost. Um, so how do you feel about Audacious Swamp? It's like kind of cool. It's basically removal like you know that they um you you turn something bad into something not as bad and i I mean ideally right like you're you're hoping that that's what's Mm going to happen i I would really only use this to hit really nasty things but because of that like i'm not just going to hit two random things so the casualty doesn't seem like super good to me there um most of the time when i'm chaos warping something it's pretty rare that i'm like wanting to chaos warp like two things Mm -hmm. um and then this is four mana but i don't know mono red it's kind of like beggars can't be choosers you know that's pretty much where i'm at with this card like what is the fifth best red spot removal spell Mm -hmm. i like couldn't tell you (laughs) (laughs) exactly it's a hard question to answer like everyone knows like the top couple like okay chaos warp a braid's probably up there maybe like lightning bolt and then like like would you count tybalt's trickery as spot removal like i guess maybe and then like number five nobody has any clue at all yeah um so i think like with that in mind i would consider running this in mono red um especially in decks that just had lots of mana or treasure floating around and um you know four is terrible for spot removal i just said that earlier when we we're talking about that convoke thing um but i like again beggars can't be choosers and i think this could still see play in mono red despite it being worse than existing options yeah, and also like, uh, <laughs> it's one of those cards that'll get played until something better comes along, which eventually will happen, I think. But um, this next card is actually <laughs> this next card is interesting. It could have been more interesting, but it's called Determined Iteration. It's a red enchantment. It says one in a red, so two mana. Uh, at the beginning of combat on your turn, populate. The token created this way gains haste. Sacrifice it at the beginning of the next end step. Um, uh, yeah. So I'm forever trolled that Populate only hits creature tokens. Like, if it was broader than that, if it was just any token, this could actually be pretty interesting for populating treasure. Uh, and it'd be sort of like a two-mana ramp effect almost in the decks that could consistently uh, consistently generate treasure. Um. As it stands, this is mostly just a type of card you would run in like one of the many red commanders that make a temporary copy of something. So like Kikijiki, of course, Felden, Delina, Jaxus, Rionia, Osgir, Afri, Inala. Um, <clears throat> all those things like make token copies of creatures. I guess you could also run it in like Brutaclad. Um, but I think it makes sense in all those places. Mm-hmm. yeah i absolutely agree with that um 
I think, I mean, this is definitely good in Gearhead and a lot of people in our discord like echoed that. Um, mm-hmm. I think if you, um, like Hoffrey seems like one of the really good ones to me, like where you, you have the sack outlets to take advantage of the fact that it's not going to be there that long. And then like you have the tokens that you're making that he's buffing and like giving haste and stuff like that. So I think this is just a cool card. I think over the years, this will be like fit into more places as well. And um, yeah, I'm just, I think it's really cool design. Mm-hmm. I think it's cool that they made this. Um, same with this next one, honestly. So this next one is called uh, Indulge uh, and it's an aftermath card. So the first part is Indulge and the second part is Excess. So Indulge to Excess. The Indulge part, the, the part in your hand is three mana sorcery, two and a red. Whenever a creature you control attacks this turn, create a 1-1 one, one green and white citizen creature token tapped and attacking. Uh, and the Excess part is a sorcery. It costs one and a red. Uh, you can only cast it from your graveyard. And it says, create a treasure token for each creature you control that dealt combat damage to a player this turn. Um, so I'm, I don't know. I'm into this. This is a cool token producer, and this is a cool treasure producer, and it's all on one card. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this is a, a really good card, like, if you are expecting to connect with at least three attackers, then this is mana positive because um, <clears throat> it's, you know, you'll get three additional attackers uh, when they all connect, you get six treasure. Uh, so it's just seems like a fantastic card for red X token decks. Uh, and of course, like you can, if you really need to, you can use reds cheap rummaging effects to skip right to the excess, like just get it directly in your graveyard. You don't have to cast indulge first if that's something you want to do for some reason. Um, but uh, I just think this is a, a great card and a really good tool for aggro decks. Yeah, super cool. Um, do you want to read off this next card? Yes. Uh, so this is Industrial Advancement. Three and a red for an enchantment. At the beginning of your end step, you may sacrifice a creature. If you do, look at the top X cards of your library, where X is that creature's mana value. You may put a creature card from among them onto the battlefield, put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. Um, so I, I think there's a couple commanders where this works pretty well. Like you need a very high density of very expensive creatures that you don't mind losing. And so like Felden and Perforos Bronze-Blooded are the two that make the most sense to me. Um, any, any other decks you think this might be good in? Um, yeah, I, so I think in like a mile of the anima or like a Rakdos 2.0, it makes sense as well. Cause you just never really paid for those creatures in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're kind of getting to free roll the high mana value on stuff like sack a seven drop that you didn't really pay for, uh, or in the case of Rakdos 2.0, like a 10 drop or something sometimes, um, and get something else for free um but the problem with both of those lists is like diluting them with non-creatures a makes the commanders worse and a and like b makes industrial advancement worse also so i think it's tricky it might just be the case that those decks are better off without this card in it but um those were some ideas i had had about um about this card it, it, it's it's cool it's a weird red card for sure hmm. Um, 
<laughs> this next one is so funny. Um, this next one is called Life of the Party. Uh, it is a 0-1 elemental for 4 mana, 3 and a red. It has First Strike, Trample, Haste, and whenever Life of the Party attacks, it gets plus X plus O until end of turn, where X is the number of creatures you control. Uh, but it also has this really fun line of text. When Life of the Party enters the battlefield, if it's not a token, each opponent creates a token that's a copy of it. The tokens are goaded for the rest of the game. Um, so, you know, <laughs> so I, funny. I, this is a pretty funny one. Yeah, uh, I, I've spent a lot of time on the podcast talking about like how I don't love vanilla creatures, but I actually think this is uh, kind of how you would want to do it if you were going to make a vanilla creature. Like, first off, you're only playing this in a deck where it's going to be enormous. Yeah. Um, and the fact that it like gives opponents uh goaded copies of it and and the, also the fact that it's very very bad at blocking um make it really compelling like your opponents are not going to trade this off in combat very easily like it's it's super difficult to block this um so it's just like i e- even if your opponents are only have only have like a couple creatures on the board it's still like a threat that's going to get through at each other most likely um it just seems like a ton of damage represented by this card i think this is great design mm-hmm. yeah i think this is cool i think it's fun um note that like you gotta they can they all have first strike oh i guess it's a zero one while you're attacking so Never mind. That point is moot. Just attack away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, great. exactly. They're, they're not going to block. Time. It's it's so it's much more valuable for them when it attacks than when it blocks. So yeah. yeah. So it, it, I'm yeah I'm happy with this card too. I think it's really funny. Um, this next one is uh, it certainly is. This is a uh, Mezio Mugger. It's a three three Vaishina Rogue for five mana. So four and a red. It says when uh, Mezio Mugger attacks, exile the top card of each player's library. You may play those cards this turn. You may spend mana or mana of any color to cast those spells. And it has Blitz of two and a red. Um, the Blitz is worth it. You know, like if I'm going to do this, like at least I draw a card at the end of the turn. I, I think the, the Blitz is pretty good. But like a five mana three three with no abilities that has to attack to get <laughs> this trigger. Um, like I would just run a tally. At least that's a six six. For me, I um, I would be interested in playing this in Prosper for sure. Um, I wouldn't pay it for. I don't think I'd ever pay like full retail for this. Um, but the Blitz cost seems great. Like you, I mean, for only three mana, you are are getting access to four cards off the top of players libraries you are likely getting a bunch of that three mana back uh from the treasures you're producing and then you when it dies you draw a card like i just kind of see this like a sorcery rather than a creature Mm -hmm. Um, yeah i totally i can i can see that yeah and and i think like uh sure I, i agree that it's like certainly no itali it's certainly a lot smaller and gets blocked more easily um but there is something to be said for redundancy. Like I think that's true. Artali does see like a ton of playing commander. It's uh as a card, it's in fifty one thousand decks. So I wouldn't uh 
I wouldn't count it out. Although I yeah. guess you you still have to spend mana, so yeah, you're still spending mana. I I guess I'm just cautioning people against just dropping this as a five drop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's a pretty disappointing five drop. It's a pretty exciting three drop, but um, yeah, I would definitely be careful. Um, so I don't know. Under the next card, this next one is actually I'm I'm pretty into. So this is Reign of Riches. Uh, it's an enchantment. It's red. Costs three red red. It says when Reign of Riches enters the battlefield, create two treasure tokens. And it says the first spell you cast each turn that mana from a treasure was spent to cast has Cascade. Um, holy cow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, who? Th- there's there's the elephant in the room <laughs> on this one for sure. Yeah, so of course it's amazing and Prosper, like you can just keep rolling you know every everything you cascade into generates a treasure and then that potentially leads to more cascades it's yeah very very good Mm -hmm. um i was thinking like i was wondering if averna the chaos bloom like might be hungry enough for cascade effects that she would run this even without like other sources of treasure Mm -hmm. just getting like a couple more cascades um potentially means more ramp it's like there's just not I don't think she has the luxury of choice. Mm. Yeah, I mean I I would play this in like a lot of lists, honestly. I play this in like Galazeth. I play this in like Magda, Gadric. Um Agnes is the new treasure haste tribal guy. Uh, like you said, Prosper. Like there there's just a ton of commanders now that we've gotten that like go off the rails with this card like both of the six six jun dragons the Zeatora and uh vivictus can use this pretty well like so i i'm really into this card like yeah it's a five mana thing but the amount of value you get off of it is like pretty massive and kind of only costs three it, like refunds you a little bit of that mana with the treasure coming back so i'm i'm into this this is definitely a card that i'm excited to play with mm-hmm. um this next one is Rose Room Treasurer. It's a 4-3 Ogre Warrior for 4 mana, 3 in a red. It has Alliance. Uh, the Alliance is whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control, create a treasure token. If this is the first or second time, the ability has resolved. Otherwise, you may pay X. When you do, Rose Room Treasurer deals X damage to any target. Um, wow, what a weird <laughs> card. Um, yeah, so... Uh... Smash up Savant on our Discord suggested running this in Nor and the Wary. That seems awesome. Like the mm-hmm. deck is fantastic at, at getting alliance triggers multiple times per round of turns. Um other commanders that might be able to do this. I was thinking like Kaikar uh or General Ferris Rokarik. They both have like cast triggers and tend to run a lot of instants. Um Quintorius, whenever uh has that trigger, like whenever a card leaves your graveyard you make a three two um gavi nest warden who can make cats when you draw your second card each turn um i think all of those make sense i don't i don't know like would you run this if you were only getting the alliance triggers on your own turn um hmm, that's a great question uh i was only getting the alliance triggers on my turn i if I could get the two treasures on my turn, yes. Because then it's just like pretty good mana ramp. 
Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm only getting one treasure, no, then I just run a different card. Because if I'm only getting one treasure on each turn, then like, what is this? A, what I what even artifact costs four and makes one? Um, no, nothing. Nothing. Nothing yeah. that has ever seen play in Commander. <laughs> yeah. So then it's just like absolutely not good. But I think as like a four mana, like, um, like a Hedron Archive or whatever, like this is this is good and it's got the additional upside of like doming something sometimes. So yeah, I'm, I really like this guy. I think he's cool. I think I'm on the fence about running. I don't know if I would run this guy if um, I was not doing stuff on my opponent's turns. Mm-hmm. I think um, given that he's kind of narrow, I'd, I think I want him to be like at least a Thran dynamo worth of mana per ran- per round of turns before I'm really you. excited. Yeah. And I think you could, there's a lot of decks that could easily do that. Mm. So I don't actually think that this is like, um, as narrow as it might seem at first blush. I think there's like, uh, especially nowadays, there's like a lot of commanders that can like flicker or make tokens or cast things with flash or whatever it might be, you know? So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I I don't know. I'm still I still like this guy. <laughs> All right, uh, let's move on to the next one. This is a really interesting card. It is Seize the Spotlight. Two and a red for a sorcery. Each opponent chooses fame or fortune. For each player who chose fame, gain control of a creature that player controls until end of turn. Untap those creatures and they gain haste until end of turn. And then for each player who chose fortune, you draw a card and create a treasure token. Uh. So I think uh, un- unless you have a way to make use of those creatures, like the threatened mode is just so much worse than the other mode. But if you do have like a sack outlet or a way to like blink them and hold on to them forever, then I think that the two halves are much more balanced and this becomes a really, really good card. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I- I'm... I'm kind of right there with you. I think this is a tool for decks that have like sack outlets. Um, like red decks that, uh, where where it's kind of like a like gun to their head, like, well, you given me your commander <laughs> is like <laughs> a lot different than just like I I don't know I guess I'll take four and then you give me my guy back, you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm I'm in this as like a tool for those kind of like red decks that sacrifice things. Um, yeah. and on that. No, do you have anything else you want to say? Uh, no, let's move on to the next one. Yeah, so this is Spellbinding Soprano. This is a 2-2 human bard for two. Uh, when Spellbinding Soprano attacks, instant and sorcery spells you cast this turn cost one less to cast, and it has Encore, three and a red. Uh, and Encore, for uh, people who might be rusty on it, it's been about a year. Um, it's you... Pay the Encore cost while this card is in your graveyard, and you get a token for each opponent you control. Each one of those tokens has to attack that opponent. So um, on the surface, it's a 2-2 for 2 that makes your instants and sorceries cheaper when you attack, uh, and you can pay 4 to like presumably make all your instants and sorceries cost 3 less um, on any specific turn that you end up doing that. So how do you feel about this? So I... I mean, obviously, like on its face, like the the base mode of this card just kind of looks worse than a Goblin Electromancer or a Baral or or something similar. 
um, because like you have to risk it in combat and it doesn't really do anything until the, the first turn it's able to attack. Um, but the, the encore mode is really sick. And I, I love that you can just skip right to it in red. If you just have like a rummaging effect, you mm-hmm. pitch this straight to your yard, then you encore it. And then your spells cost three less. And like, God, if you can't win from that position, like all it really takes is like, uh, any ritual and like a reiterate at that point, like will probably get you there. Um, it, it seems like the, this is just like a sorcery that needs to be cast from your graveyard is, is how I'm seeing it. But it's a really, really powerful one. Like just imagine like a, if you have past in, access to past in flames, like you cathartic reunion encore, this cast past in flames for, for, one mana and then cast all everything in your graveyard for super cheap like um really really interesting tool for red spellslinger decks especially mm-hmm. those that are running lots of rummagers yeah i definitely agree with that i i think like this card is like like really good in like 20 life formats too i don't th- know if it's gonna like break out anywhere but just like a 2-2 that makes your spells cheaper in general is good um i think this is better as the encore mode for commander like having the one like red is really good at having the one turn that just goes off so i think this plays into that gameplay really well Mm -hmm. um so i'm yeah i'm i'm pretty high on this card it like is a lot better than it looks especially if you are playing like some kind of spell slinger list um so yeah i'm i'm into it um the next card is called Turf War. It is a red enchantment. Red got a lot of enchantments in this set. Mm-hmm. It's really funny. Um, I was I was thinking about that. I'll, I'll tell you my thoughts on that in a second. I'll let you finish reading the card. Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, so Turf War is a red enchantment. It costs five, four, and a red. It says when Turf War enters the battlefield for each player, put a contested counter on target land that player controls. Whenever a creature deals combat damage to a player, if that player controls one or more lands with contested counters on them, that creature's controller gains control of one of those lands of their choice and untaps it. Um, so do you want to get into your thoughts on enchantments or thoughts on the card first? So thoughts on enchantments. I'm, I'm just wondering, like, uh, we need to see more, like, gen- generic value type red enchantments. But I'm mm-hmm. wondering if, I guess we've seen, like, a couple of those in this set. Um, I wonder if they are allowing red to invest more in enchantments um, because it has access to things that blow up all artifacts and creatures like subterranean tremors or, or just like, you know, on separate cards, certainly like um, Shatterstorm and Blasphemous Act or whatever. Um, so I wonder if they are allowing red to invest in enchantments so that it can like blow up the world, but not affect its own board state as much. Yeah, that's kind of cool. I mean, I I hope so because it is they are synergistic in that way. Um, um, anyone who's played Pokemon knows that like one of the classic doubles combos is guy that is flying type and guy that earthquakes every turn, <laughs> <laughs> and that's kind of what this is like. But in Magic, you're like, well, I can blow up all everything but enchantment, so I'm gonna do that. And mm-hmm. yeah, that's cool um how do you feel about the card i think this is like this is interesting design space that they're pulling off here 
So like, I think somebody on our discord server was saying something about like, um, proliferating the counters and then moving them around with, uh, uh, that one land, you know what I'm talking mm. about? Yeah. Be, is it nesting grounds? I think it's nesting grounds. Yeah. Um, yeah, there you go. Nesting grounds. Um, that seems like crazy amount of work. Like there's ways <laughs> to, to break this card. Like I was also thinking like, Oh, you know, you can, uh, in like a green red deck you could have a lot of land searching effects you get like a dust bowl and then you could like temporarily gain control of a land and then sack it to dust bowl to blow up something else and like basically all the ways to break turf war um just seem like too much work seems like it's too hard because like if you have a dust bowl you can just blow stuff up anyway you don't have to work this hard to make dust bowl good yeah i was trying to think about decks that like naturally have double strike so that you can like get multiple triggers off of this and i I can't really think of any off the top of my head you know like not really hitting a home run but even like if you have double strike like you they only have one land with a contested counter on it and like it doesn't yeah well, I mean, much, yeah. eventually, like, someone's going to have a few lands, right? Like, someone's going to attack someone, steal a land, and then you're going to attack somebody and get stealing it. So it's, like, a way to break the symmetry on it. But, again, that's kind of, like, everything about this card is too much work, <laughs> mm-hmm. kind of. So I guess that's really the point I'm trying to make, is I was trying to think of, like, the best way to pull ahead of your opponents, and it's probably just to be the guy who plays Dust Bowl. <laughs> So, uh, which, you know, I've, I've been that guy, so can't can't say too much. <laughs> um, so we, we have a few more pages of notes and we are on green. So everyone take a deep breath. Um, if you need to pause, get some water, maybe like uh, do some yoga. I totally get it. But this next card is called Bribe Taker. And it is a 6-6 six, six Rhino Warrior with Trample for six mana, five and a green. Uh, it says, when Bribe Taker enters the battlefield for each kind of counter on permanence you control, you may put your choice of a plus one plus one counter uh, or a counter of that kind on Bribe Taker. So uh, it's a 6-6 six, six trample that enters the battlefield and possibly gets bigger and a bunch of other stuff. Whatever. I mean, I don't, I don't even care. <laughs> like, <laughs> what, am, what am I supposed to say about this? Like, it's it's incredibly boring to me yeah like we like i said like like i keep saying like we just don't have the mass the critical mass of like ability counters yet so like what this is like a eight eight trample vigil no it's like a seven seven trample vigilance with a loyalty counter on it like well, you can, so basically for each kind of, so if you have like a, a planeswalker with five loyalty counters on it, you can put five plus one plus one counters on this. Oh, um, okay, okay. So it is, it's, a, it is going to be very big. Uh, and given like the, and like maybe it has a shield counter on it, but it is still just like a very large vanilla creature. Um, and only in the decks that can support it. So like the plus one plus one counter decks. And the like, I guess the parry decks that run a bunch of weird counters. Yeah. Maybe <laughs> I don't think like the planeswalker, like in a planeswalker deck, this will come into play with 
a lot of plus and plus one counters, but it is also just like, does the super friends want a huge vanilla creature? I don't know. <laughs> uh, no, I would. I'm gonna just say no. Like maybe someone has a funny super friends list that's like, I love having a twelve twelve, and you're like, cool man, <laughs> but. <laughs> I, it's not any of the ones that I really see often. So, um, I guess on that note, do you want to read off the next uh, next green card? Yes. Uh, so this is Caldea Guardian. It is three and a green for a four three creature human soldier. Whenever Caldea Guardian or another creature you control with mana value four or greater dies, create two one one green and white citizen creature tokens, and it has Blitz for two and a green. Um. So, I, I mean, there's not a whole lot of decks in the format that are, like, trying to get expensive creatures on the board. Um, what what really sticks out? Maybe, like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Um, yeah. I have to do some more research. Um, I mean, obviously, this was made to go in the Kenzie or whatever, the, the Hammer, or what's his name? The other gen guy. Mm-hmm. Is it Kenzie? Oh, everyone's going to yell at me. Henzi. That's his name. <laughs> this was made to go in the Henzi list because this is like your Blitz guys with the guys that are four or bigger have Blitz, blah, 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 all that stuff. Um, so it's like even more value from your Blitz guys. When they die, you get two citizens. Um, this, I don't know, maybe this is good in like... Um, Hmm. <laughs> I guess maybe this is one we're both kind of stumped on because I couldn't really think of anything in time either. Um, mana value four or greater dies. Create two, one, one. Is, are like Marin decks going through like cycling creatures often? Is this like uh, another way to get value off that? Nah, I, I don't know. I don't think it's, I don't know if it's going to happen that much. Um, I'm trying I think to think like of the like Marin like, decks. Yeah, care like most about like oh like if you have something with a um riveteer ascendancy you can go through a loop um like riveteer yeah. ascendancy and like the uh that one ogre rogue um yeah <laughs> and then like something with less power but higher mv and then caldea although like caldea guardian has got to be one of the worst like payoffs for that loop you could also just like um i don't know have like a blood artist and yeah i was thinking like uh ashnod's altar like um nim death mantle loot sushi yeah at sushi is pretty good um or um even the dragon what's the new black dragon junji oh yeah um that could maybe be good with this but then you're in a you have to get to the red or black mana so i'm not sure what commander is doing that i don't know maybe maybe this is like Zeotora or like vivictus is going to be playing this because you're going to be having big things that come in and die and maybe you have a combo finish or something well also like you got to ask yourself okay maybe there's decks out there that like have a lot of mana value for greater creatures or can loop a creature with mana value four or greater but is this even like the payoff you want is this the best payoff in yeah. <laughs> whatever color identity yeah great question yeah. 
and I'm looking to you listeners to answer it for me this time. <laughs> yes, please tell us. Um, um, so I, I guess on that note, let's just keep on moving if you're cool with that. Okay. Um, so this is Crash the Party. This is a green instant. Costs six mana, five and a green. Uh, so what does a six mana green instant do? Well, I'll tell you. Create a tapped 4-4 four, four green rhino warrior creature token for each tapped creature you control. Um, the So, okay. The only deck that this is not strictly a win more card that I could think of is specifically my Jolrail Empress of Beasts deck where mm. I could make all my lands creatures, but it's only for a turn. Um, but I can do this at the end of someone's turn, like pitch my last two cards in hand, get a bunch of rhinos, and then like kill somebody. Um, that sounds sweet. Yeah, that's the only one I could think of when I saw this card where it's like my creature count is artificially inflated because it's just my lands. Um, but I think in most decks, it is definitely just a win more card. Like, in what world am I like killing someone and I have five guys and I'm like, you know what? And now I have 10 guys. I get five more rhinos and like, I'm not already winning that game. I don't know. You know? Yeah. Uh, eventually they'll they'll print the the four power commander that we all deserve. Um, yeah, exactly. They've uh, had so many chances, and they just come on, guys. Yeah, it'd be kind of cool if you could like if there was some commander that was like, um, gosh, what's that enchantment where like whenever a creature you control attacks, you can phase it out. Oh, um, uh, Teferi's Veil. Ah, uh, there we go. Yeah. We were both close. <laughs> um, so yeah, like that would make sense. Um, if if they ever printed like a commander like that, where you could attack and then safely put them in, um, like phase them out, then this might be useful there because you could like make a bunch of guys and then if they wrath, they're still only going to get the rhinos. They're not going to get the creatures you attacked with. Because mm-hmm. um, that's really just what I'm worried about is just how this card interacts with a wrath which is not well yeah Um, i yeah i i agree (laughs) um and uh, i don't know i I think we've exhausted crash the party the party's over yeah yeah let's let's get out of here on our dodgy jalopy yeah (laughs) oh that was a great transition uh so dodgy jalopy is a star five artifact vehicle for two and a green uh, it has trample, and Dodgy Jalopy's power is equal to the highest mana value among creatures you control. It has crew three, and it has scavenge two and a green. Um, so just so everyone remembers, scavenge is you exile this from your graveyard, and you put uh, plus one, plus one counters on target creature you control equal to the power of the thing. So this is basically three to put star plus one plus one counters on a creature you control at sorcery speed mm-hmm. um this is so, <laughs> so funny it's so funny it's a it's a strange one uh i was thinking like galta made the most sense to me like yeah absolutely um, there's not that many decks in the format that like have absurd absurdly high mana cost that you can reasonably cast early in the game um whereas dodgy jalopy makes a lot of sense like you can cast it early um 
if it'll contribute to like the cost reduction for Galta. And then once she's down, it's just a 12, five trample, which you ought to be able to do something with that. Uh, and then later in the game, even if it dies, like it'll kind of, I mean, it'll add more counters to some things. You can reduce the cost of Galsta if she's back in the command zone. Um, of course, and of course, like I guess you can have always scavenge it onto Galta herself, and it'll just be like a one-shot KO, which is also pretty good. Um, yeah, yeah, I definitely think like the scavenge mode is not to be ignored here because there's definitely just going to be times where like you're playing Multani and you just insta gib somebody, <laughs> like mm-hmm. like you're playing Jared uh, Golgari Lich Lord, and you just insta gib somebody, like like. There's definitely just green commanders that um, cheat out or the commander itself is large or something like that is going on. And in that case, this card just is a huge buff for not that much investment. Um, but I think that's mostly it for now. I think you'll you'll if you're listening at home, you probably have a deck that maybe wants this card, too. And I think that's pretty funny. Um, and I'd love to hear about it. Um mm-hmm. But I think, do you want to move on to this next card? Yes, so Family's Favor is 2 and a green for an enchantment. Whenever you attack, put a shield counter on target attacking creature. Until end of turn, it gains. Whenever this creature deals combat damage to a player, remove a shield counter from it. If you do, draw a card. Uh, And just as a reminder, if a creature with a shield counter on it would be dealt damage or destroyed, remove the shield counter from it instead. So what do you think about Family's Favor? Yeah, I was I was high on this card, and then I was really low on this card, and now I'm kind of medium on this card. I <laughs> I think it's uh, the fact that it's three mana is great. It's like a pretty fairly inexpensive way to um, kind of attack with impunity. Um, well, at least with like one or two creatures, you know. Um, I think like if they do take the bait and like don't block your guy because they'll just chump, it'll be a chump or something like that then yeah, it's great that you can like remove the shield counter to draw. Um, there aren't really many ways to generate shield counters over and over and over again right now, besides like blinking certain commanders and certain permanents. So uh, it's not like you're going to be going crazy and like everything you have is going to have a shield counter and you're going to draw a bunch of cards off of this like in one big combat. But I think just a continuous card flow that lets you attack effectively is like, that's a medium card to me. That's a card that like is a role player in some decks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think it does uh, a couple things, uh, and it's it's decent at all of them. Um, yeah, <laughs> like it. First off, it discourages blocks. Like nobody really wants to block your guy if your guy has a shield counter and is gonna survive it anyway. Um, yeah, exactly. It like if they and then if they don't block, you just get to keep a shield counter on it, and that will of course like protect it from spot removal. Um, and then if you need it. If, or if you like have a couple shield counters stacked up, you can get a little bit of extra card flow. So it's a couple things. If this were, you know, normally I don't love like grab bag type effects. Um, yeah. But it it is like not a huge investment of mana. So I'm more inclined to try it than if it were like a grab bag effect that costs five or six mana. Yeah. I mean, even at four mana, I'd be kind of lower on this card. But the fact that it's three, I'm like, okay, that really doesn't take me too much. And even if I just draw a card off of it or, like, I get, like, a few shield counters on some creatures, like, 
you know, could be worse. <laughs> like that seems like it's still worth three mana. Yeah. The the one thing I dislike about it is like the fact that if you want to protect your commander, you got to be attacking with it mm-hmm. very quickly. Like you can't just cast your commander and and pass until your next turn, and it'll have a shield counter. Then it's like, well, your opponents can all see that your I, I mean your opponents are, are going to have an opportunity to kill it in the meantime. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know. Moving on to the next card. It's called First Responder. This is a 3-3 Vigilance Ogre Citizen for 4 mana. Cost 3 and a green. It says, at the beginning of your end step, you may return another target creature you control to its owner's hand, then put a number of plus 1 plus 1 counters equal to that creature's power on First Responder. Um, so, I, uh, I, again, I was kind of down on this card when I first saw it. I was like, oh, just a fat guy. And then I was like, oh, no, I, I bounced a guy. That's fun. Um, I wish it was, like, honestly an activated ability so I'd have a little bit more control over it or could do it more times than once. But I'm kind of, you know, there's probably some decks that want this or can use this, you know? Yeah, I wish there were more. I wish you could do it more often as well. Like, uh, I was thinking, like, maybe in like a Yeva deck where you have a lot of ETB creatures uh, and where you can like, even though this is bouncing on your end step, you can still like cast it before your next turn. Um, But it's still like four mana initial investment. And it uh, isn't really like saving me any mana in the long term because I still have to cast the creature. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Um, I'd say, I mean, it's better than like a Roaring Primadox for those decks, but... uh, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, the fact that it like, one of the things about it is, because we do have four mana guys that bounce creatures, but they're basically just like upkeep triggers. Um, Mm -hmm. So the fact that this is an end step is like the only reason I think this is a rare, that you like get the effect the turn you play. (laughs) Um, So, I don't know. I'm... Obviously not super high on him. I I don't have a deck that I'm really excited to play him in. But yeah, like things that get flash or like a Yeva, um, decks where like the things you're bouncing have like pretty impactful ETBs. Uh, bouncing a Rex Sage every turn with this, or um, like an Eternal Witness. This seems fine. Mm-hmm. All um, right, moving on to the next yeah. card. Uh, this is Killer Service. It is two and a green for an enchantment. When enters the battlefield, create a number of food tokens equal to the number of opponents you have. At the beginning of your end step, you may pay two and sacrifice a token. If you do, create a 4-4 green rhino warrior creature token. Uh, and I, I kind of think like paying nine mana over the course of several turns for three 4-4s is a pretty terrible deal. But I think this might not actually be that bad in like Ginny Fey. Um, where if you're paying three mana to get a bunch of like three ones or two twos, uh, like three mana for three creatures, especially like larger than than one one creatures, uh, is actually not a bad rate. So I think it might have some play there. Yeah, just kind of down on this guy. It's whatever. It's fine. Um, next of kin is a funny card. It's an enchantment aura for three mana two and a green it enchants a creature and when enchanted creature dies you may put a creature card you own with lesser mana value from your hand onto the battlefield or from the command zone onto the battlefield 
if you do return next of kin to the battlefield attached to that creature at the beginning of the next end step. Um, <laughs> this is this is kind of cool and techy. It's a weird card. Yeah, pretty strange. Uh, I mean, the first thing that came to mind for me is like if you have a clone commander or some other commander that like changes itself and do something with a higher mana value than like the its base then you can get your commander back over and over um and it just then it just kind of becomes like a gift of immortality so like if you have a sakashima and it's copying something with like five mv then when it dies it goes back to your command zone you can bring sakashima back because it has lower mv than it had when it died um other than that, like in terms of fair use cases, yeah, I'm not, I'm not feeling it. If I want to be fair, there's just yeah. better things to do, honestly. If I'm trying to play fair magic, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's, I, I think the cool part about this card is that you can, um, kind of cheat the mana cost, like clone a five drop, get your Sakashima back into play, like et cetera, et cetera, that kind of thing. Um, because I don't know. I really don't think there's too many green commanders that are like really, yeah. really try gonna be able to get away with something. I guess maybe. Um, there's your purple brown. I don't know. Not. Maybe maybe this is good in like a um, what's like a. Can't, they keep killing your kinnon so you know well, no because eventually it like doesn't it goes on to kinnon and it doesn't work so yeah i don't i don't know about like fair uses <laughs> i guess it's it's a some yeah, free cards let's just move on to the next one i think yeah absolutely totally okay with that so this is park heights maverick uh this is a two two human soldier for three two and a green that has dethrone so if you attack the player with the most life or tied for the most life, you put a plus one plus one counter on it. Uh, Park Heights Maverick can't be blocked by creatures with power two or less. And whenever Park Heights Maverick de- deals combat damage to a player or dies, you proliferate. Um, yeah, I think this is kind of interesting. Like the fact that it gives itself a counter is great. Um, there's not that many proliferate engines. Uh, especially fair ones and i think this is definitely a fair one mm-hmm. um so i think it gets big like fast enough like it comes down turn three it, it's competing at rate for a lot of things uh, you can't block it with tokens and stuff like that so you know i don't know i'm fine with this guy yeah i like that it's one of the few repeatable proliferators that provide their own plus and plus one counters um that's nice it's it's good that it will eventually grow to the point where it's you know pretty unappealing for most players to block it so that's cool um but if you're just trying to proliferate like other types of counters if you're not a plus plus one counter deck then i it's clearly just worse than like thrumming bird grateful apparition and guild pact informant but maybe i mean you, you might still be desperate enough to run like every proliferation engine you possibly can yeah yeah i mean definitely in some decks that might be worth it so um can i get on to the next card yes go ahead yeah so this is another this is a green equipment it's a green artifact it's a scepter of celebration it is a three mana artifact equipment two and a green 
It says equipped creature gets plus two plus O and has trample. And whenever equipped creature deals combat damage to a player, create that many one one green and white citizen creature tokens. Uh what does it cost to equip? Three. Um so I'm actually not down on this. I think this is fine. I and I would cut the line there, you know? Like it Wand of Orcus has been good enough for me that I think this is gonna be pretty much along the same lines. It's funny how like pollen bright wings, they just never cost it less than six. And this is like sneakily kind of the same MV as Pollen Bright Wings. Mm-hmm. Um so I don't know. It's I, I think it's better than Pollen Bright Wings. Um, given that it gives you some power and trample, so it can make something hit a little harder and get through more consistently. So uh do you have any decks that you're thinking of? Yeah, so like man, I don't I don't love like paying three to play and, and three no. to equip. Absolutely not. <laughs> uh, but I was thinking like Arden and Tana uh would be a really good partner combination for this card. Um like Arden can cheat the equip cost, and then with Tana, like this first off it, it uh adds more power to Tana, so like she's making four where she would normally make two, and then you're getting another pile of tokens on top of the ones generated by her ability. So it's just a, a massive increase in her token output. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's basically like commanders that want to attack. Like this is um, a free card in like Gallia. If you have a Gallia list, you cast it off the top. Um, so it like draws your card when you play it. You're going to be playing a lot of equipment auras anyway. Um, there's another card that I can't remember. So listeners, you can yell at me on the internet <laughs> for when I <laughs> actually remember what it is. But th- these effects are tend to be pretty good. Like. As long as you can get in there, they're like pretty beefy token generation. So I'm I'm into them. Um, we have one more green card, uh, and it is uh, very silly. It is Vivian Stampede. It's a sorcery. Uh, it costs six mana, four green, green. Each creature you control gains Vigilance, Trample, and Melee until end of turn. And at the beginning of the next main phase this turn... Draw a card for each player who has dealt combat damage this turn. Um, so how do you feel about this card? Well, okay, if we look at it purely on rate, it looks like a good deal. Um, yeah. You're spending six mana and you're getting like overrun plus harmonize plus like vigilance. Uh, so that's, I mean, certainly seems like a good deal, but just kind of like silly to have an overrun that like knows it's not enough to win the game like there's so many (laughs) elements of this card that make it clear like oh yeah you're not winning this because if you did like the vigilance wouldn't matter and the card draw it would never even trigger um so i i think i would just like if i wanted card draw i would i could play something more efficient and if i or whatever yeah and if i want to win the game uh i would just go with like triumph of the hordes or try to get a crater huff out like this is um yeah this is another one of those designs that it's like doing a half-assed job at multiple things and and unlike the other one that only costs three mana this costs six i mean (laughs) it okay like your shields will not be down. You will not be in a terrible position afterwards. You'll be up three cards. 
and your creatures will all be untapped. But, um, I mean, it's just worse than existing options. It's it's okay if you're not trying to to win efficiently. Yeah, yeah, I feel it. Um, is funny. This is like a really interesting space to take overruns. The overrun that doesn't win the game, mm-hmm. but uh, they probably were like tired of people complaining about overruns. Um, so let's get into the multicolor cards. We're starting off with a banger. So this first one is called Life Insurance. It's a white and black enchantment. It costs five mana, three white black, and it has extort. So just a reminder: when you cast a spell, uh, you can pay white or black just a single pip of whatever color you have Uh, and if you do each opponent loses one life and you gain that much life so if you have this out you can spend one more mana on each spell you cast to drain everybody some life um whenever a non-token creature dies you lose a life and create a treasure token um yeah this is i mean this card has got a lot of chatter online do you want to get into how you feel about it so I I don't want to like cast this on turn five and then like pass and then next turn I'll I'll wrath because then it's like uh I mean it's just too many opportunities for people to interact like um I I don't know I feel like I don't want to cast this as a do nothing enchantment I want to like get immediate value but if you're able to get immediate value if you have like uh you know creatures and sack outlets and you can like refund its mana cost immediately then it seems amazing um like it's i mean first off like pitiless plunderer is a black staple for good reason it's played in tons of decks um it's like a ten dollar uncommon or something because yeah. of how, how popular it is insane um, this does have the like you lose one life writer on it but it's also likely to be played in decks that have like blood artist or similar um, so that you can offset the life loss and also kill somebody. So I, I think it's a pretty, and of course, like it has the built-in extort so you can offset the life loss that way. Um, but I think this is a really sweet card. I think it's not hard to slot this into a lot of engines and just go to town with it. Um, more effects like pitiless plunderer, will be great um there's just a lot you can do with this type of card so i'm i'm high on it yeah i I just uh granted that you like meet the caveat of of having a situation the board ready when you're dropping this yeah yeah i agree i think like if you're just like playing this card um into like an empty board it's you basically just spent turn five doing absolutely nothing (laughs) Mm-hmm. Um and just kind of crossing your fingers that like don't hit my stuff guys, um which is not necessarily where I want to be but yeah I mean this slots into a lot of decks that people have already and I think that's cool. Um, did you mention some of the lists? I there's a lot going on there. Did you talk about some of the commanders that like this? Uh no I haven't. Um any specific commanders that you think would be good? Uh well specifically ones that you brought up um when we were prepping the episode so there's Alenda of the Dusk Rose, um already sacking things to make Alenda huge aura the cleric tribal in black white is looping clerics sacking clerics to get value and getting clerics back tesa 1.0 and 3.0 both enjoy sacking things a lot um all of these are like pretty 
good black and white commanders and they do a pretty good job of um, getting value on top of what the life insurance is going to give them. So uh, pretty much what life insurance should be, you know, like uh, shouldn't be the only thing you got going (laughs) Mm -hmm. in your portfolio. So um, I think with all that said, do you want to get into this next card? Yes. Uh, So Grime Gorger is two black green for a three, three creature horror with menace. And whenever it attacks, exile up to one card of each type from defending player's graveyard. Put a plus plus one counter on Grime Gorger for each card exiled this way. Uh, what is what is it about this set? Like the there's a lot of graveyard hate, but it's all very bad rate. Um, yeah, I for some reason like they heard us or other people being like, I love when graveyard hates tacked onto effects, and they're like. Yes, you love it when it's sorcery speed, right? And we're like, what? And they're like, we love it when it's overcosted, correct? <laughs> you we, you love to see it when it is on a four mana creature that has to wait a turn and then attack. And you're like, what? Who said that? <laughs> why? Yeah. Why would that be what I want? I know. I just want like three more Nile spell bombs with different names, and they keep <laughs> giving me like four mana creatures. Uh, I don't understand what is going on over at Wizards. I mean, these are definitely safe designs. Like, this is a rare that I would expect from, like, a standard legal set. Yeah. I so, don't, yeah, exactly. Uh, it's, I, I don't yeah. see anything about this that that says Commander. So it's odd that they are devoting one of these, uh, pre, like, precious pre-con slots to this. Like, I think somebody could have come up with a better black-green design than this card. Mm-hmm. And I know they can because I've seen them. <laughs> They've definitely done it before. So, I don't know. Do you want to get into the next card? Sure. This is Agent's Toolkit. It is one green-blue for an artifact clue. Uh, It enters the battlefield with a plus-one-plus-one counter, a flying counter, a death-touch counter, and a shield counter on it. Whenever a creature enters the battlefield under your control, you may move a counter from Agent's Toolkit onto that creature, and you can pay two and sacrifice the toolkit to draw a card. Uh, What do you think about this? Where would you play this? Um, I would want to play this, um, in like something where, I don't know, one of these counter decks, so like attracts <laughs> or something <laughs> like, I think the biggest problem with agents toolkit is that like that we do kind of have better things if you want to do anything in particular that it's doing. So like, um, like, okay, so it enters with all these counters. And then you can give them to things, and then you have to flicker agents' toolkit. Like the the fair use case of it, of like paying three, playing some creatures out, giving them uh, abilities, you know, whatever they might be, and then sacking it to draw a card. Mm, why? <laughs> like, like what am I? Because you need a whole bunch of types of counters for your parry. That's why. That's true. I mean, this is really good in parry. Like, it gives you what? Like, one, two, three, four, four counters. Four different types of counters, yeah. For one permanent. So, that's like, you know, you can't get much better than that. So, like, that's fine. But, like. I don't think it goes anywhere else in the format. Yeah, you're really not, like, getting away with anything. So, this seems like a fair card, you know? Like, mm-hmm. if you can flicker this keep getting the counters or like you said proliferate um sure but i don't (laughs) i'm not not running to play this card this isn't one of the cards that has me excited 
about this set like some of the other ones. Um, this uh, next one, though. Yeah, oh, there we go. Oh, oh, man. Do you want to get into it? Yeah. Uh, so Cryptic Pursuit is two blue-red for an enchantment. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell from your hand, manifest the top card of your library. Whenever a face-down creature you control dies, exile it if it's an instant or sorcery card. You may cast that card until the end of your next turn. Uh, so this is like pretty much exactly the type of manifest card I want to see. Um, it's it's taking a very common uh, like token design. Like we've you know we've seen Talrand, we've seen um, we've seen Dika, we've seen Young Pyromancer. Like there's so many things out there that like create tokens when you cast an instant or sorcery spell and it's just replacing those tokens with manifest so that if it was just that i would be psyched about it um but then it also offers this this second line of text where um you know you can actually cast these cards it gives you a mechanism for getting back your instants and sorceries when they are played face down which uh is is cool i would have liked the card even if it didn't do that but uh as it stands this is just like gotta this is this feels like it was designed for me specifically i'm I'm very happy about this card <laughs> yeah no absolutely just like i mean we just a few weeks ago I had an episode where we talked about how we love manifest like so much and not only does this just manifest things it's like additional value on top of that for four mana like are you kidding me so very very happy with this um can i get into some decks that are like pretty excited about this yes go for it so uh a lot of red blue decks um so veyran uh which was from the c21 i think decks that was the strixhaven commander decks uh you probably remember it's a really popular is it deck um Definitely gets a ton of value off of this, a bunch of blockers and whatnot. Savine, um, the Chronoclasm, uh, the Jeskai commander that casts things from your graveyard. Zephai, the Thunder Conductor slash Collector, depending on what version of the card you saw first. Um, definitely like casting things for free, like instants and sorceries, getting additional value off of that. Um, like all of those things run like Talrand and the Token Makers. Uh, so I don't know. I feel like those are really good spots to play this. Um, I was trying to think of another commander that is running a bunch of spells. I guess, um, what's his name? Uh, Spirits guy, Kaikar. Um, probably can mm-hmm. get some decent value off of this and just flood the board even more than it already does. There's like a sure. lot of decks that that <laughs> utilize could utilize this card. It's pretty cool. Yeah, the thing I really, really want to do um, with this card, and there, I don't know if there's like a a good commander for it, but like in Jeskai Blink, um, if you like, what I really want to do with this card is, of course, manifest a bunch of cards, uh, and then like blink the the creatures that are manifested and the lands that are basically all the permanents that are manifested. I just want to get them onto the battlefield. So like, if anyone's got a Jeskai blink list i think that would be an awesome way to use this card yeah i agree i think it's it's definitely really cool you're gonna cheat like a lot of things with this and uh you know i'm here for it uh Mm -hmm. just good manifest is so good um can i read off this next card yes 
Yeah, so this is Prosperous Partnership. Um, this is an enchantment. Costs one red-white, so three mana. When Prosperous Partnership enters the battlefield, create two 1-1 one, one green and white citizen creature tokens. Tap three untapped creatures you control. Create a treasure token. Um, uh, you go first, and then I'll I'll kind of say some thoughts on it, because you have some like concrete things to talk about where I just kind of have some wishy-washy feelings <laughs> about okay. it. Uh, I don't think this rate is generally very good, um, but I will say that like if you have an academy manufacturer out and your commander is Ginny Fay, um, then basically like if you once you make your first treasure, then it academy manufacturer is going to replace that with a treasure, a clue, and a um, and a food, and then Ginny can replace those with creature tokens and then you can tap those creature tokens to make another treasure and it's you end up with infinite tapped creatures um so that seems like a potential use like i, I think Ginny fey um probably runs academy manufacturer anyway this could do and it's just like generally fine in Ginny fey even without the manufacturer maybe yeah i don't know i, th- I, I think that's I think like that's is. the list i would put in yeah, I think this is good in um so like if you can give your crew vigilance, then you're basically like giving every three creatures the ability to tap for a mana, and that's I think that's good. Um and then the last one that I was thinking of is um just decks like um God, what's uh, Jorkadine. <laughs> um, which is gonna be having a bunch of tokens, it's gonna be having it, like it wants to have treasure um like it is a bad rate for everything but i think this card basically like don't have metal craft yet well, now you do like let's attack so i think it's fine there and like i said giving your team vigilance like really makes this go off the rails because all of a sudden you're like making a ton of mana consistently a turn so a three mana artifact that makes three mana a turn like i don't even think exist but the salt monolith like like there's <laughs> not really something that efficient so there there's some decks where this is going to be great and i'm excited it exists also has incredible art and uh, i'm here for it um so the next ones are um are we going through all of them at the same time yes so the, there's a cycle of new confluences one for each crime family um and you know for as many words as we're about to say listener I really don't have much to say about most of them. So I don't know. Uh, I'll read this first one and you get into it. Do you want to do that? Okay. So this is Obscure Confluence. It is an instant. Uh, it costs one white, blue, black. And it, uh, as all confluences, has three modes. Choose three. You may choose the same mode more than once. Uh, until end of turn, target creature loses all abilities and has base power and toughness 1-1. One, one. Target creature connives. And target player returns a creature card from their graveyard to their hand. Um, man, what do you? <laughs> what? How do you feel about this one? So I think all of these modes are just very, very low value. Um, oh man, yeah, yeah. I like. I I would maybe consider running this uh, if it cost one fewer mana. But like, I just I'm not happy to do any of these things i value all of these abilities at like maybe one mana or less probably less than one mana 
So yeah. to pay four for all three of them or, or even a combination of like three of one of no, no good. I don't want yeah. I, I would say the first mode is like two mana and the other modes are one mana. But then again, like it's such a specific deck that wants to turn things into one ones that like this generally isn't going to be widely applicable. Like you're obviously going to be able to get around stuff like someone pays four life for their um, toxic deluge and it's not going to hit a creature and you go, oh, well, I kill that thing. Like whatever, fine. But it's it's like not the kind of value that I want to see altogether. It's kind of a kitchen sink design that doesn't quite add up to anything that I'm into. Um, and you know what? You're going to hear that a few more times <laughs> with this cycle. <laughs> Do you want to read off the next uh, confluence? Sure. This is Maestro's Confluence. It's three blue, black, red for a sorcery. Choose three. You may choose the same mode more than once. Uh, return target monocolored instant or sorcery card from your graveyard to your hand. Target creature gets minus three, minus three until end of turn. And goad each creature target player controls. Uh, this, in in contrast with the previous one, this seems awesome. Uh, so there's combo potential with this card. Um, and there's also just like amazing value potential. So if you have like a, a time warp or similar extra turn effect that doesn't exile itself and a regrowth effect, so like a, a relearn or a deja vu or a cult of mind, et cetera, et cetera, um, you can combine those for infinite turns. It costs a heck of a lot of mana, but it'll, I mean, it'll work. You are able to get back the, the combo pieces over and over. Even yeah. without an extra turn effect, like, if you have if you just like goad twice and get back a regrowth, then that is going to buy you a huge amount of time. Like in a in most games, like not everyone has like a sick aggro board all the time. <laughs> like yeah. goading just one or two people is gonna be enough to protect you really, really well, at least long enough to find like another combo piece and, and really go off with this card. So it's it's certainly mana hungry, but um, it also is pretty powerful. And there are a lot of commanders out there that can cheat the cost or add more mana for spells. Or I think it's, I think it's pretty sweet. I think it's a cool card. Yeah, this is one of the two of them in particular that I'm like high on because, like, the fact that it doesn't exile itself to get back these instant sorceries, like you said, and then goading is like pretty powerful like it basically just saves you oop sorry knock my mic it basically saves you a whole turn to uh get set up which is great so yeah i'm just echoing what you said at this point um next one riveters confluence is um well you you be the judge of this one listener it's a sorcery costs five mana two black red green it says choose three you may choose the same mode more than once draw a card lose a life Riveter's Confluence deals one damage to each creature and Planeswalker you don't control. And you may put a land card from your hand or graveyard onto the battlefield tapped. Um, for five mana, so like, okay, if I'm putting three lands from my grave slash hand onto the battlefield, uh, okay, yeah, I guess that's five mana worth of value, sure. Um, I guess dealing three to all creatures I don't control is pretty good, but five seems like overcosted for that one. And then paying five to draw three, lose three. I don't, I want to pay two or three to draw three, lose three. I don't, 
that seems massively overcosted. So I'm not really sure what I'm like. I'm trying to do with this one, you know. Yeah, the uh, initially I was really low on the last ability, but then I thought like, well, if you have like an insane number of fetches, if you're running yeah. like all nine fetches plus like prismatic vista and fabled passage and maybe some others on top of that, like maybe you. C- because what I was really worried about with the last ability is like, I'm not going to have three lands in hand. That's not going to happen. Yeah, but, <laughs> absolutely. But maybe I, I think maybe I could have one land in hand and and two fetches in my graveyard, or I could be running like self mill or discard or, um, I think it could put, like if I can get three lands off of this, that is actually pretty insane. Maybe even getting two lands and drawing a card or like pinging my opponent's mana dorks is it's okay it just seems like very conditional and if i didn't have a bunch of fetches in my deck i don't think you can really get there to like get a combination to really be worth the mana you're investing that's kind of where i'm at yeah for me it's like all of these have like a mode i think the um maestro's one is the only one that that's not true but all these have a mode that seems like it's like the bigger value for this one it is the land one especially from the graveyard but like the other ones are like so under like so overcosted. Like if I'm like dealing one to each opponent and like or each creature in planeswalker my opponent's control, like that that's not really worth that much mana. <laughs> like so yeah, just kinda low on it. But do you want to get on to the next confluence? Is that okay if I read it off? Sure, go for it. So this is Cabaretti Confluence. This is a six mana sorcery. It costs three red, green, white. Uh, it says choose three, blah, blah, blah. Create a token that's a copy of target creature you control. It gains haste. Sacrifice it at the beginning of the next end step. Exile target artifact or enchantment. Creatures target player controls get plus one, plus one, and gain first strike until end of turn. Um, <laughs> that last one's so funny to me. Because, like, I got three first strikes. And you're like, that's cool. <laughs> that's so sick, dude. Um, I actually like this one because I like the first mode. I think the first mm. mode is actually really powerful. Um, you copy three things you control that are much more combined mana than six. Like you get a Terror of the Peaks, a Reclamation say, or a, an Eternal Witness, and and I don't know, like something else. That's way more than six mana worth of value. You get a Dual Caster Mage. Whoo, boy. <laughs> You're you're going off there, so um, this one actually seems good to me. It's like narrow, but still like Naya decks tend to run good creatures, so I I can see this getting consistent value, at bare minimum off that first mode multiple times. Yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at with it. Like if you're running a Naya deck with a lot of value creatures. This could certainly do a lot for you. It does have that infinite combo potential with dual caster mage, where if you like cast dual caster while this is on the stack, you get infinite dual casters with haste. Um, and the copy effect is like still relatively rare. We don't have a ton of spells that do this. It's like twin flame and kindred charge and uh, ooh, and heat shimmer, and that's kind of it. Mm-hmm. So pretty rare and and certainly useful. Like there's a lot of, as you mentioned, there's a lot of good ETB creatures in this color identity. 
Um, second mode is fine. I yeah. don't like it. Basically, all these modes should be worth at least two mana. And the way it kind of works out is like the first mode is worth like three mana and the second mode is worth like one and a half mana. And then the last mode is worth like one mana. Um, so I, I don't really think I'm going to be doing that last mode a whole lot. I guess, although I guess it is cool that there's a little synergy between like the first mode making tokens and the last mode pumping them. Like maybe in a token deck where you've got a lot of canned army type cards, like making a copy of Deep Forest Hermit and then pumping twice is actually like oh that's that's kind of significant, you know. Um but yeah, it's this is a cool card. I think this is probably like my second favorite of the confluences. Yeah, this is definitely, I think, probably the same. This one might be my favorite one, but um, that's probably just because I have more decks that I can play it in. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this I wish next... there were more like I wish there were more like Eternal Witness and Ardent Elementalist effects in this color identity because yeah, consistently like copying one of those and getting the spell back and just getting like two free modes for six mana, like and being able to do that as much as you want. That's yeah, that cool. seems awesome. Yeah, that seems fun. Um, next one is Broker's Confluence. This is an instant, costs five mana, two green, white, blue. Uh, the three modes are proliferate, or target creature phases out, or target, uh, sorry, counter target activated or triggered ability. Um, what? <laughs> it's five mana. It's five right. mana. I know. I think there's a typo in the mana cost here. Oh, come on, guys. If it was four, I'd still be kind of upset. Like at four, I, I could see that this was a good card. At five, it's like, what am I'm holding five mana up to to do this? Really? Yeah. So like the I mean the last two modes basically demand that you are cat that you cast this card on your opponent's turn. Yeah. And they're also like situational. So it's so basically you have to hold five mana up. And if the thing doesn't happen, like if they don't cast the wrath or they don't activate the, the or they don't ult the planeswalker or whatever, then you just it, there's not like a, a there's not like an emergency shoot or that you can pull to not have wasted your turn. Like, yeah, <laughs> pro, like proliferate might not just might not do anything when you cast this card there's no it needs to have like a draw a card mode so that even if like oh crap i uh have one last chance to not have wasted five mana by holding up answers to something that never happened there, there's no out for that situation you just have to have a completely different card to salvage your tempo yeah <laughs> that, i don't have anything to add to that you just pretty much hit the nail right on the <laughs> Yeah, I I will say that like, you know, there are some super friends decks where proliferating three times is worth five Game mana cuz yeah, yeah cuz you're going to get a bunch of ultimates, but the other two modes are just like a joke and and you know, it would have been nice if like it would have been nice if this card was designed such that it could be useful for like multiple decks instead of like you put this in super friends and then the, no, nowhere else because the other two modes are jokes yeah absolutely yeah i mean the problem i think is that they costed this four super friends decks they're like ah, ah, ah you gotta spend five mana to win that easily and yeah. it's like most decks aren't super friends decks mm-hmm. so this is just bad now um 
Oh well, well enjoy it in your Atraxa list and uh and that's mostly it. So Yeah. Oh well. Well we got some artifacts and honestly, there's some <laughs> there's some bangers in here. I really like some of these. Um this first one is called Currency Converter. It is a one mana artifact. Whenever you discard a card, you may exile that card from your graveyard. And it has two activated abilities. Two tap, discard a card, then uh sorry. Two tap, draw a card, then discard a card. And tap, put a card exiled with currency converter into your graveyard. If it's a land, create a treasure. If it's a non-land, create a 2-2 black rogue creature token. Um, I like this. This is cool. I'm into this as well. Um, so like the first place I thought of was Quintorius because uh, it moves things out of your graveyard relatively easily. It doesn't require a lot of investment to do that. and so. It can, as long as you're you have ways to discard, this can pretty easily just make a bunch of spirits for you. Um, and also, like it's kind of a mana rock. Like I could very easily see myself in a situation where it's like, oh god, I'm so mana flooded. I'm gonna discard a couple lands to this cathartic reunion, and then my currency converter is just like a one mana rock that pumps out treasure. Um, so I think that's pretty sweet. Uh, I, I, yeah, it just seems like a great way to get value for decks that are already doing a lot of discarding. And of course, there are a couple of those uh, not already already existing in the format and then like some connive commanders in this set. Mm-hmm. Yeah, super, super into it. So very cool. Uh, next one also is like, I'm, <laughs> I, I like it even though it's not necessarily super strong. So this next one is called False Floor. Uh, it's a four mana artifact. False Floor enters the battlefield tapped. It says creatures enter the battlefield tapped. And it says two tap, exile False Floor. Exile all untapped creatures. Activate only as a sorcery. So (laughs) I'll let you get into it because I think this card is hilarious. I'm just going to start there. I think this card is hilarious. So like, I think this this is a really weird card. It seems like a very designer y card. Yes. Um, so because if you look at what the like you're it's kind of predictable how your opponents are going to react to this card and and so i think this is like designed to achieve a certain type of behavior but through a really roundabout way so like okay this this card takes a turn to resolve essentially um and it also like makes it so that your opponents can continue to like commit creatures to the board, but without like them dying to your false floor. Um, so, re- so really, like you're you're telling your opponents, hey, uh, you can keep casting creatures as long as you keep attacking. You will not get your creatures wrathed away. And so, the way this like actually reads to me, unless you're like doing something to like. Uh, to activate it on the first turn in that brief window you have where it does something. Um, it just reads like a designer was trying to achieve the effect of like all creatures must attack each turn if able and can't block, but doing that sort of purely with incentives, which is really yeah. interesting. So it's it's a cool design, um, but it the the downside is that like it's. Okay, so it's clever, but the problem is like 
if you see this card and like don't think about it really hard then you're just going to end up in a situation where you can never where you never get to activate your thing like there will just never ever be untapped creatures and so you just feel like oh my card didn't do anything i guess yeah it, i mean but yeah it did it's just like it's all invisible because it influenced your opponent's decisions yeah yeah so it's it's kind of um like the white tax cards or like things like that you're like it's it's really hard to see how they affected the game because they affected the game by the inaction of your opponents and it's really Mm -hmm. hard to quantify that or like find some way to like note that and and record it game to game so yeah I, i pretty much agree like this card is really hilarious to me i think the flavor is like spot on um but yeah i I think like are there any commanders you can think of that like actively untap things that you could get like wake everybody up basically I guess if you're running a deck with um the that's green I'm going to find it benefactors draft benefactors draft dra- yeah draft or drought I, I don't know how to pronounce that I think it's draft right okay. benefactors draft but um yeah that one untaps all the creatures that like if you're running a deck that was already running that you might be able to like I don't know, snipe a table that wasn't expecting it. Um, if you're running a deck that is already running, um, uh, oh God, what's it called? Uh, raise the alarm or whatever, or the um, untap all creatures when a creature enters, um, then you're probably good. Um, I was thinking like in a low power Derevi build. Oh, yeah, can- yeah use all your combat damage triggers to like untap all your opponent's creatures and the false floor like the turn you cast it um but then it's just like uh, there i feel like there's easier ways to like wrath the board in a derevi deck like there's ones that dodge tokens there's ones that only hit big creatures Mm -hmm. Uh, and of course like you don't care if derevi dies so it doesn't i don't know if it matters that much yeah that it's asymmetrical Mm-hmm. yeah well uh we only got a few more cards to talk about and so let's let's bring this on home because i think listeners at home probably <laughs> they, <laughs> they'll know if they want to play with false floor at this point all right, um, all right this next one is called gavel of the righteous it is a two mana artifact equipment and it has at the beginning of combat on your turn put a plus uh, sorry put a charge counter on gavel of the righteous Equip creature gets plus one, plus one for each counter on Gavel of the Righteous. And as long as Gavel of the Righteous has four or more counters on it, equip creature has double strike. Uh, the equip cost, pay three or remove a counter from Gavel of the Righteous. Um, basically, uh, I don't know. If you're... Th- okay, so this could possibly be an incredible double strike equipment in your deck. It gives like a ton of power, gives double strike. Wow, great, we love it. If you're waiting turn by turn for this, uh, that's just that's just not going to happen. Yeah, just, like one just... one counter per turn. Okay, f- so four turns from now, like two turns after the game ended, <laughs> uh, <laughs> then I can do something cool. Nah, nah, no. Uh, I think if you have a deck with a lot of proliferate or like a lot of extra combat steps, because it does trigger at the beginning of combat, mm-hmm. um, then maybe like. But this is. There's another thing that like seems like a ton of work for something that's you know 
you can available in other forms basically yeah so that's pretty much where i was going to say if you're playing a commander where you're already running a bunch of extra combat steps this is probably pretty good um other than because it's basically two mana and free to equip uh other than that like just probably don't i'm sorry i'm sorry listener it's a new shiny toy but the next card is a new shiny toy that actually rules so um oh i actually i like the next card so um it's called smuggler's buggy it is an artifact vehicle for four mana it's a five five and it has hideaway four um and it says whenever smuggler's buggy deals combat damage to a player you may cast the card exiled without paying its mana cost if you do return smuggler's buggy to its owner's hand and it has crew too. Um, so the reason I like this card is it's just another like decent vehicle. <laughs> like, like why wasn't this in the Kamigawa deck? You know, like the deck that gave your artifact creatures flying <laughs> and like had a vehicle commander. I don't, I don't really get it, but I'm glad it exists. It's a, another cool card for for those decks. Actually, gets you value. Um, I know you're not as high on it as I am, so I'll, I'll let you to to get into why you're not super high on it. Yeah, so like basically you need to have enough haymakers in your deck that a random four is likely to be is likely to contain something that costs significantly more than four mana. Um and so you need to have like thirty huge haymakers for this to like be worth casting again every turn. Um, uh, I don't know. I mean, th- there are decks like that, like Maya the Anima, maybe. Um, but it's just like, mm, I, I, it seems like unreliable. If it whiffs, you know, you're gonna feel very bad about ca- spending another four mana to to spin the wheel again. So, I, I just don't love it. Yeah, I see that as like a feature. I don't see this as like necessarily like abusing the hideaway for like big creatures. I see this as like in the vehicles deck um, where you have the artifact shenanigans, you might get triggers for casting an artifact or like an artifact leaving like, um, and you you have cards that help it out in combat. Um, Like that's the deck where I think this is really cool. So I would actually say like, uh, like the mile take is actually really cool, but I would actually say like, if you're not playing a vehicles deck, like don't worry about this card like i don't want to put this really in any deck that doesn't have some way to help it get in there which is like not many of them uh definitely vehicles like there's a bunch of things that buff your artifact creatures sneakily or whatever so um yeah so that's why i'm kind of high on this i think like the casting an artifact is a feature and not a bug um but we only have one more card to talk about can you all believe it this is crazy all right, this is Weathered Sentinels. It's three mana for an artifact creature wall. It's a 2-5, and it has Defender, Vigilance, Reach, and Trample. It can attack players who attacked you during their last turn as though it didn't have Defender. And whenever it attacks, it gets plus three, plus three, and gains Indestructible until end of turn. So, uh, well, it's it's pretty bad on its face, but hear me out, guys. Um <laughs> This reads like a, a keyword soup card to like help out Cathril, like Audric, I guess number two or Audric number three. Um, that's kind of what I see this card doing. Although like these are pretty weak keywords, um, I think it might be better in like 
vampire Audric rather than the other two because he doesn't really care about the quality of the keywords. He just like you know wants as many as possible so we can get his blood. Yeah, kind of where I'm at for this card. I don't know if you have any other thoughts. No, I mean, so this is my my only thoughts about this card are like. This is a great rate for what you're getting. You're just like not getting anything in particular. Like like a 2-5 defender with all these abilities for 3 mana that can attack as a 5-8 indestructible. Like that is a lot. Uh, like you're getting your mana's worth. It's just like why did I want that in the first place? You know? Like, like it sure is giving you 3 mana worth of value but just not the value that I have ever really cared about. So I think you're, you're kind of spot on with the uh the abilities there like audric 2.0 like if this card had existed when i had had that deck together i would have lost it this would have been like such a good include um mm-hmm. but other than that um yeah i'm just it's just a cool concept I'm not really running to play it but all of that said and man was it a lot uh we have reached the end of the set five whole decks everybody we did um it. We did it. This is a long episode, but hopefully you enjoyed it. Hopefully there's some insight. Hopefully you can tell us about specifically some of those green cards that I just don't get why they exist, but that's okay. Um, and we hope you enjoy like playing and brewing with these cards. Yep. Uh, I'm going to wrap it up with a brief thank you for our Patreon patrons. They are Gustav, Ryan, Addison, Rick, Raphael, Kyle, Laser, Charlotte, The White Clays, Hannah, Andy, James, Logan, Roger, Evan, Bryce, Dylan, Benjamin, Jamie, Matthew, Kyle, Brandon, Kevin, Jeremy, Russell, Dylan, John, Micah, Troy, Roxanne, Charles, Daniel, Andrew, Jason, Paul, Johan, Jonathan, Christian, Jim, Emmanuel, Andrea, Vasilios, Logan, Ruel Rudel, Carl Oscar, Danny B., Daniel, Iriel, and Jean-Francois. Thank you all for supporting the show. And if you're not currently a Patreon patron but would like to become one, please check us out at patreon.com slash commander theory. Thanks for listening. You can reach out to me on Twitter. I'm at commander theory. And on Twitter, I am at fat Bartleby. You can also email us at commander theory at gmail.com. Our theme song is Lincoln continental by Nick cage. You can check them out on SoundCloud. And if you're interested in some other creative products I'm working on, I have a band you can check out. We are a pink punk, pop punk band called The Have Nots, all one word like Cosmonauts. Uh, you can listen to all of our music for free right now. You can just head over to thehavenots.bandcamp.com. That is T-H-E-H-A-V-N-A-U-T-S.bandcamp.com. And check us out. Let me know what you think. 